The GameCube with School podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of October. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector, and Tristan Pantarato. Do you ever put your pants on on the op- like using the opposite legs? I'm a right leg first, left leg second, and the other day I put my left leg on first and my right leg on second, and I almost fell over. Why is that hard? Now you have me thinking of how I do it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I do left leg first, right leg second. You're a lefty first, I huh? think I'm a lefty first even though I'm right-handed. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So, th- Yeah, I'm definitely left. I'm definitely left first. Why is that? Uh- Okay, so after this podcast is done, put your pants back on. But mm. I want you to use your <laughs> my pants are off right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You don't do you don't do po- podcast pantless. Okay. Um, no. Yeah. Take your pants off and then put them back on. And whatever your natural leg is, sw- stop that. And now do the opposite leg. And like, it takes your brain a second. Yeah, I'm gonna fall I, over. Oh yeah, yeah. You almost will. And I was like, why did I just try to do that? And I don't know what that is about like doing something that you do every day and then just doing it slightly different and it completely throws you out of whack like brushing your teeth with the other hand like it's it 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 sucks i don't know there's just certain things that like you caught you catch yourself off guard and then you do them and then you just almost fall over like i did the other day when i tried to put my pants on left leg first we'll talk about brushing your teeth with different hands on next episode that'll be the that'll be next episode's (laughs) opening topic i'm going to figure out which hand i brush my teeth teeth with and then change it and see what happens Please report back. These are the things that that, uh, go through my mind while I'm getting ready in the morning. Another thing that goes through my mind is uh, another segment of, did they steal this? This is, of course, the segment where I see someone walking down the street with an odd item, and I have to question whether or not they stole it or not. How they they got that item, basically. Yeah. We've, of course, done the the situation where we saw a man walking down the neighborhood with the hose, Mm -hmm. including the wall attachment. Uh, We've seen uh, two guys pushing a ride-on lawnmower down the street away from a public park. So that was... was fishy. Uh, this one might maybe a little bit more innocent. It was a guy, I'm going to say a little younger than us, maybe 23 years old, walking down the street with a violin, no bow, no case. Do you think he stole that? Violin, no bow, no case. How was he carrying it? Strings? Holding it by no, the strings. Oh, holding it by the strings. That's the best way to do it. No, he was holding it by the neck, like like a like you would with an average instrument. I, I just Was he know... holding it kind of like, you know, full vertically or just was he like holding it on his side, you know, just holding it on his like a, like a briefcase. He was okay. briefcasing it. Yeah, briefcasing the violin. <laughs> I mean, I, I would assume that it's his or someone else's. Yeah, and maybe he's Neil. Maybe he's going to go get the case at the local case shop. Maybe the violin case store. I do live close to one of those, so that would make a lot of sense. I always wonder, like when you see someone on the subway with a, a guitar and no case. What's going on there? <laughs> that, that one is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. <laughs> we might have, honestly, we might have already talked about this in a previous episode, like way Probably. back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is one of my favorite things is when you see someone on the subway with a guitar 
and and no case and not playing the guitar and no strap (laughs) (laughs) strap. (laughs) yeah it's it's probably the most awkward instrument on earth to carry so Mm -hmm. other than maybe a double bass Instruments are tricky. Oh, double bass. I would love to see someone on the subway, no case, double basing it. That's, <laughs> Not playing it again. <laughs> they have to start playing I Miss You by Blink-182. Otherwise, I'm going to kick that double bass in half. Oh, great song. I, I'm going to have to say that this guy did not steal it. I think I, I live in the city now, and uh, I was I was in the city when I saw this man. So I'm assuming that he was probably a street performer of some kind or, yeah, taking it to a repair shop. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say the violin was his and he's probably just either a performer or going over to the store. Fair enough. Fair enough? Yep, fair enough indeed. Mike, we have a Patreon opening topic today. Do you mind if I read that now? Yes, I would love that. Okay, perfect. Now, remember, listeners, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. Uh, supporters at the $5 or above level uh, get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic, just like Resident Evil Collector did. Now, Resident Evil Collector will be joining us later today since the episode is right up his alley. Resident Evil Collector says, I'm late with my homework once again. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so I think this was actually supposed to be from September, but it fits in well in October. Here's the question. Which horror movie would you like to see turned into a GameCube title, and what would the gameplay be like? I wouldn't mind an alien adaptation to a GameCube game. Like, it's an RPG. I know you guys aren't a huge fan of RPGs, but hear me out. You would make choices amongst your crewmates on where to go on the ship, which items to take and defend yourself, etc. I also would like a trust meter, which in return would determine who'd watch your back, who'd stay alive until the end, etc. I'd reckon the gameplay ability would be in getting multiple endings, good or bad, depending on your choices throughout different cutscenes on your choices, and so on. So that's a great idea, an alien game on the GameCube. We've seen yeah, a couple of alien... too. Oh, great question. We've seen a few alien games in the last few years since the GameCube. There's at least two... There's Alien Colonial Marines, which I don't think is very good. There's an Alien vs. Predator game on PS3, and then Alien Isolation, which is on more current-gen hardware, PS4, Xbox One, which I think is very good. I've I've uh, I've heard friend of the show Dan loves that game. They played it like in one night or something crazy. Oh, interesting! I didn't know that. Yeah, Alien Isolation is a really fun survival horror game where it's just you and the alien on the ship, and it stalks you throughout the entire game. If you had to pick a horror movie to be made into a GameCube title, does anything come to your mind right away? Yeah, I actually um, just wrote down a few while you were uh, while you were reading uh, that question because I immediately had a couple that came to mind. Uh, Sweet. A couple of my favorites so would be uh, Jason X the game. because that movie is basically a game it's just so wacky you could do some crazy stuff you you, you're in space horror in space is a genre that's not explored enough and uh i do love that 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 subgenre, I guess, of, of, of survival horror. Because, Jason like, in space. It, Jason in space. <laughs> and then uh, ha- the original Halloween, or just anything with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, icon mm. Jamie Lee Curtis. Of course. Um, Halloween Kills, which just, I think, has come out or is coming out uh, mm-hmm. this week. Um, really cool to see her back in it again. Uh, but, yeah, so I would love to see a Halloween game. I don't think there are any Halloween games, at least not good ones or anything that I can think of. I'm trying to think. I don't. I, I none come to mind. I remember a Friday the Thirteenth game came out like yeah. in 2018, I think it was, and it was like a four v one sort of online game where it's you know you're either a camper or you're Jason, and that that's an interesting concept and probably the only idea I could think of for a a Michael Myers game. My last concept also would be uh, I would love a. Uh, some sort of a like some sort of free for all style night fire uh, split screen. Uh, you're you know, and you're just you know people shooting them. I guess kind of like a Left 4 Dead, but mm-hmm. uh, the 
enemies that you have to kill are like famous uh you know famous horror villains or zombies or whatever it is so like mm -hmm. leprechaun would be like you know it's like knickknack <laughs> in nightfire but instead it's leprechaun and then jason could be there freddie could be there you could have oh, um, that's cool yeah uh, you could have uh i don't know other horror people <laughs> that i can't think of right now uh and the, you could have the girl yeah, yeah. from the exorcist oh that's so cool i love that idea it's almost yeah. like um why why am i blanking on the name of that game uh, yeah, we're not good with names today. Overwatch. Overwatch. It, yeah. It'd be like it'd be like Overwatch, but uh, yeah. but your characters are like I, like that I went to Nightfire first. Like that's the game <laughs> that I think of in 2021. It's like oh, it's like Overwatch, but instead of these uh, these lead characters, I don't I don't heroes. I think they call them. Uh, you'd have like Chucky. <laughs> yeah. Ex see, exactly. Chucky would be good. He'd be so small, you can't shoot him. That game would be so complicated to make, though, because, like, I have no idea who owns these IP. Oh, God. It would be a mess. These movies come out randomly. Like, there's a Chucky Netflix series coming out, I think. You're right. There's a Halloween movie, which may is which is probably already out by now. I, I hate that movie just for the sole reason that late at night, I like to watch calming shows on YouTube, like cooking channels or whatever. Sure. Uh, and sometimes that movie gets advertised. <laughs> And it's just a shriek. Just and Jamie then, like, Lee Curtis shrieking. <laughs> like, oh my god. It's brutal. Like it, it but it's just like, you know, the jump scare, like the quick nails on a chalkboard sound while I'm trying to sleep is not cool. Uh, not Mike great. Myers is a cool character, but I love that idea for like a multiplayer horror game yeah. like, where you fight against other monsters from these movies. That'd be so cool. Uh, almost like a Smash Bros for for horror movies. Exactly. My idea, not exactly a horror film, but unless you want to count uh, the shark attack movies as horror, I guess you could. Uh, I've always wanted a shark game on GameCube. Baby Shark the, the Game. Baby Shark the Game. God, no. More like <laughs> Jaws. Uh, I, I love Jaws. I loved, uh, there was a movie called Red Water. I used to love shark movies as a kid. I watched them all. Deep Blue Sea was so much fun to watch. <laughs> uh, really bad now, but the, like, those movies are kind of cheesy the, yeah. the, the older you get. But uh, I always loved the idea of playing as the shark or playing as the hunter. I, I don't know like what the gameplay would be like. Uh, but it would be really neat to be like a scuba diver and you need to do certain missions and avoid the shark somehow. I, I don't know if that would be, even end up being scary. There was a Jaws game on PS2 that uh, I remember seeing on the shelves but not being able to play it because I didn't have a PS2. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I always check the GameCube shelves to see if today was the day that Jaws on GameCube came out. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. It's a sad story, but like I remember looking at the PS2 case for Jaws, the game, which I don't think is a very good game. Um, <laughs> no, I can't imagine so. No, but just wanting to play it because I love Jaws 1, 2, and 3 as a kid. So yeah. I, that would be my number one pick, honestly. Another idea I had was uh, to have a Nightmare on Elm Street game. Yes. Yeah. In this, in the same vein as like an Eternal Darkness, where the game kind of plays with your sanity, since that's what Nightmare on Elm Street is. Uh, I would love to have like a game that switches between the dream world and the real world, but you as the character don't know whether or not you're in the real world or the dream world until Freddy pops up, obviously. Um, but there's like environmental cues and maybe certain, uh, like what Resident Evil Collector said, there's character interactions um, in the real world and in the dream world. And you have to pick up on those hints to find out if you're alive or asleep. Uh, I would love something like that. But so kind of Until Dawn mixed with um, Eternal Darkness would be a really neat game. I also really like Nightmare on Elm Street. So yeah, um, I would and Jaws. So either one of those two uh, franchises would be so cool on GameCube. Nice. Great picks and great question. And we will see mm -hmm. you very soon, Resident Evil Collector. Yeah, we'll talk to you really soon. So let's get into it. But before we do, Mike, I think it's time for our favorite segment. What do you think? It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to leave us a review on the podcast service of your choice, or you can send us a message on the social media platforms that we are present on, you can do so. Just like Mike, who wrote into us today. 
Uh, actually, no one wrote in, Neil. But nice. I do have uh, a fun stat. And that's after our last week's or whatever someone wrote in last time. Uh, we have officially <laughs> had 50 reviews on Apple Podcasts alone. So thank wow. you, everyone who's reviewed, rated us. Uh, on that service, of course, there's other ways to rate us and review, I guess. But uh, that's the one that I usually check because Spotify doesn't have their own um, mm. rating and review system, which is kind of yeah, weird. weird. Yeah, but, but that? Uh, 22% of the people who listen to us listen to us on Apple Podcasts. And so that's 20, 50 reviews, 22% math. Hmm. Uh, maybe there's like 200 <laughs> reviews out there. And, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. This is 50. This is 50. So, yeah, thank you, everyone who has reviewed us and rated us in the past. And had such nice things to say sometimes not nice things but mostly very nice things and um it really is why we we keep doing what we do and uh, pushes us through some of the the not as fun episodes but this episode neil is a very fun episode is it gonna be a fun episode because of the number that we're at that's right ah ladies <laughs> and gentlemen welcome to episode 69 of the gamecube was cool podcast new episode every thursday on every we're major podcast services i am definitely 12 years old we are the number one gamecube podcast on the internet we're here to look back on all 555 north american gamecube games one by one sometimes 12 by 12 so far we have covered 326 games wow you can visit the gamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on the website was developed by our very own mike lane and half of leon kennedy only half of him where's the other half <laughs> uh it's uh, it's it's it's, it's working in the back end 69. Last week, we covered the Capcom <laughs> 5 to celebrate the anniversary of Beautiful Joe, I guess. Uh, it ties in nicely uh, with today's episode, which is, of course, going to be one of the greatest survival horror games of all time. I'm, of course, talking about Resident Evil 4. Mike, this is uh, on most GameCube game lists that you check out. This will be considered number one or number two on most people's lists. Right up there with Metroid Prime, uh, Wind Waker, Smash Bros. This mm -hmm. is a classic game. It's one of the highest selling uh, GameCube games out there. So uh, before we get into it, we have a couple of callers uh, to join us today. But before we do, let's talk about our memories of Resident Evil 4. So you kick it off. What do you remember about this game? Well, before I talk about the actual, it's a lot of befores here. <laughs> before I talk <laughs> about my actual memories of it, I was just thinking the other day about it being the fourth entry, technically, well, not really technically, but it's the fourth main entry into the Resident mm -hmm. Evil franchise. Uh, and that got me thinking, what other fourth installments are that good? Like, have you ever seen a franchise successfully create an original fourth installment? Uh, I would say almost never. Well, and was there ever one that like was a genre defining one like Resident Evil 4? I would say well, definitely not. But mm. I do have a list of a couple of fourth things, I guess, the fourth installments okay. uh, that are considered to be very good or one of the best of that franchise. So Okay. Uh, I did movies. I did some music. I did some games. Uh, so Goblet of Fire for Harry Potter is usually considered uh, either one or two, I would say, in the uh, the rankings for Harry Potter books and movies. Is it that high up for the books? I thought that was one of the more least favorable ones. Uh, well, at least for the movies, I guess. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> the That's... movie I know is always ranked like one or two for sure. Okay. Uh, wow. Right. Beside, uh, I think like as far as I know, I, I could be completely wrong, but this is what... Uh, I think, and most other people seem to think. Um, okay. But do you think this? About this, Goblet this, of Fire? This could start an argument. <laughs> yeah, this could, this could, this, oh my God, what's happening? Goblet <laughs> of Fire, I liked it. I forget what I, I don't just like know about when it, it. I remember when it came out, it was like, whoa, this is like the movie now. Like, this oh, is I, like a. Yeah, as the movie, it, it's a huge tonal shift. For me, I just love uh, books. I like Order of the Phoenix. And then movie, I love Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that is, yeah. that's usually the number one. But Goblet of Fire is usually up there. Uh, we have Led Zeppelin 4, 
which is with Stairway to Heaven. That's usually sure. considered their best one. Queen, yep. A Night at the Opera with Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, okay. Again, always considered one of the best, if not the best album they put out. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4. That's often, I think, almost always considered the best Call of Duty. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. All, again, mm. all the Grand Theft Autos are ranked highly, but that one is usually ranked near the top, if not the top. Talking mm-hmm. Heads Remain in Light. Jimmy nice. Eat World, The Lead American. Sweet. Uh, uh, Super Mario World is the fourth entry into the Super Mario franchise. Okay. Uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, uh, considered the one of, if not the best game in that franchise as well. Mm-hmm. Thunderball. Uh, we just talked about James Bond two episodes Bond. ago. Yeah. Uh, often considered one of the best there. Uh, and of course, Toto 4, Neil, uh, with <laughs> Africa on it. I love Toto 4. <laughs> Who could forget Toto 4? That's that's hilarious. Uh, and then, of course, Rocky 4, Neil. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Rocky 4 is so good. But like all, of all those things that you mentioned, most of them don't change their – don't change what they've been doing all along. Like That's right. Just going back to Goblet of Fire. I am going to say, for the record, I love Goblet of Fire. I just don't know if it's considered like the best or even the second sure. best amongst Harry Potter fans. That's that's the part where, that tripped me up. Uh, but like Toto's 4 was not a metal album, which would have been amazing. Uh, <laughs> actually, if it was Ska, it would have been even better. But uh, most of those things that you mentioned are just continuations of the trilogy that came before them. Uh, I, w- yep. I thought you were going to have uh, episode 4 Star Wars on like A New Hope. <laughs> does that count well, as a fourth? I, that does not count as a fourth. <laughs> so you're saying Phantom Menace is the, is the number four there. Phantom Menace is the number four. And to lead into that, we also have some really bad fours that I found. Uh, most of these fours are... <laughs> That's like, going to be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> most fours are terrible. Uh, and some of them are like Terminator Salvation. Uh, that, that one movie blows. No, no one, no one is defending that. And if they are, yeah. then I, I, I come out, I guess, and and comment and say that it's you not really as bad like as Terminator movie. Five. That's the only defense I can give it. Uh, Sh- uh, Shrek Four, uh, Planet of the Apes Four, uh, Batman and Robin, which is the fourth movie in that <laughs> franchise. Uh, we all know how that ended. It's a good. It's a good movie. Uh, the Karate Kid Four with a oh. really young Hilary Swank. <laughs> um, which is one of the worst, one of the cringiest movies I think I've ever seen in my life. I've never even heard of it. Uh, Leprechaun 4. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and for video games, Just Cause 4. Uh, and I love the Just, Just Cause series, and I, I hated that one. Oh, and of course, Mass Effect Andromeda, Mass Effect 4. Terrible oh, game God. there, too. So yeah. 4s don't have a good history. There are a couple of 4s coming up. John Wick 4 uh, the, uh, is coming next year. Mm-hmm. We have the Matrix 4 coming out in a couple of months. Yep. Uh, we have the Expendables 4, uh, apparently. Uh, and then we also have Hotel Transylvania 4. I just looked up Jaws 4, <laughs> and on the cover it says, this time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, another classic Jaws 4. Oh but but you're right, Neil. Like none of, none, of the good, none of these good 4s really changed the franchise in any way. And I, I, I had a real, really hard time looking for a great fourth installment for anything. So the mm. fact that Resident Evil 4 comes along, completely changes the game, completely blows people out of the water in terms of expectations. Mm. Uh, and then to go back to your original question, my first memories of Resident Evil 4 were my uncle buying me Resident Evil 4 when I was... Oh, too we, young. Too young. I think I was 11 years old, I guess, or 12 years old. That's all right. Yeah. And I loved it, but my mom did not want me to have it because uh, it was a mature game. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that makes sense. I could barely have teen games at this point. Right. And uh, I I remember I would sneak downstairs in the mornings and I would play Resident Evil 4. And I would play Resident Evil 4 on mute a lot. 
So I didn't I didn't get the full audio experience oh, uh, of that game uh, until much later uh, in life when you bought me Resident Evil 4 for, uh, I guess, my birthday or Christmas or something uh, quite a few years ago now. That was one of the first GameCube games I think you that bought That sounds about me. right. Because uh, I, I had wanted that game back mm -hmm. for a long time. I think I gave it to my cousins or something, but it, it was missing for a long time. And uh, getting to play it. Also, one of the first games I ever played with two discs uh, the other one being Tiger Woods PGA Tour, <laughs> which for some reason needed two discs. But uh, oh, so that was kind of a, an interesting uh, thing there. But yeah, I loved this game from the moment I picked it up. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have very fond memories of uh, watching a friend of ours. We've talked about uh, Alex, who was like our one of our mutual friends, older brother, mm -hmm. who uh, ingratiated us into a lot of uh, GameCube games. We've talked about him on the F-Zero episode. And on the Metroid Prime episode as well, he introduced me to that game. RE4 was another one of those games that I uh, was terrified of at the time, just like these characters oh, yeah. coming at you with torches and, and blades and chainsaws and, and these tentacle monsters jumping out at you too. Like it was so scary, but it was so cool. Like it was like watching a movie. One of the earliest or one of the things that I remember about this game uh, was completely stupid thinking about it now, but just like the games in widescreen, which video games... GameCube games did not do this. Yeah. Uh, so, so it looks like you're watching a movie. Like the graphics at the time and even today looked lifelike. Like it looked like you were watching a movie being played because they were really that good. This is graphically one of the best looking games on the GameCube. And playing it today, uh, if you're playing it on a CRT TV, which I do, it holds up incredibly well. Uh, something that I don't think can be said for many of the earlier Resident Evil games. Like no. a lot of people have memories of playing those games thinking this looks incredibly real and it's terrifying but you go back now and it's it's polygonal and it's all pre-rendered backgrounds and everything looks actually pretty flat if you look at it it, it yeah. does not hold up very well at all uh this game on the other hand looks insanely well um and we should clarify that this game specifically so the gamecube version of resident evil 4 the original version of this game is actually still uh for most people uh for most people's opinions this is still the best way to play this game the, the other side of the argument there is that the wii version i've actually heard is the other preferred way to play it uh we'll talk about the platforms that this game is on in a, in a couple of minutes but uh yeah you usually hear it come down to the gamecube and the wii even though it has been remade for uh, more recent uh, consoles, like the PS4, that it is the way that uh, people like to play it. Because going back to the, the controls, even though this game is really good, the controls don't age perfectly well. Uh, as yeah. Because there have been third-person shooters that have come out since then that do this kind of gameplay much better. Yeah. Uh, so it does take some getting used to. But once you get over like the first level, honestly, it 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 feels like uh, it, it feels like a like a brand new game. It feels like you're you're Spider-Man. Oh yeah, makes like, Leon Kennedy makes you feel like you're Spider-Man. At times, he kind of does. <laughs> he kind of does, no, for sure. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to bring up uh, a really interesting point. So you mentioned how this game is always in the top five GameCube games of all time. Yeah, you'll never mm -hmm. see it outside of the top five. Almost always in the top three as well, and sometimes number one. Well, Nintendo Power in 2005, uh, interestingly enough, ranked <laughs> Resident Evil 4 uh, as their number one game of all time for the GameCube. Wow. And this is just months after Resident Evil 4 had come out. Wow. That's nuts. And at this time, they, we had Wind Waker, we had Metroid Prime, we had Melee. Uh, that's nuts. And th Nintendo's this endorsing it. <laughs> Nintendo's. Yeah. And this is at the time that, like last week, we just talked about the Capcom 5 and how a bit of a, a bust that was as a marketing gimmick, uh, as it ended up being. Uh, this game was included in that bundle of five games that uh, was often cited as being 
uh, this is only going to be a GameCube exclusive. It's never going to other consoles. That, of course, did not end up being true. So even though Capcom went and put this game on other consoles, which I'm sure Nintendo must have okayed. It is interesting enough that that the only four little banner is still mm-hmm. on the GameCube case. You know, it, in 2005, when this deal was basically dead, uh, mm-hmm. they, they still did put the only four uh, on there. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it ended up on PS2. Uh, I, I think that I've... I have seen. I've never played this game on PS2, but I have heard that the GameCube version looks better. So it is, uh, yes. So the 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 PS2 version, um, it uh, they they did release it with a couple additional gameplay features, but there were slight visual and oral uh, downgrades. Hmm. So uh, and like there's lack of shadows and lighting effects, reduced sound quality. Sound quality was apparently the big one that was really? that was reduced. Lower resolution textures and character models. So yeah, hmm. the. The ports of it, because uh, a lot of ports were in the same vein as that PlayStation 2 one, uh, right. were often inferior to the GameCube one. Wow. I was really interested in researching this game, just like thinking, okay, this is the number one GameCube game of all time for many lists, including Nintendo, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game must be really pricey. Like, you know, you, you think of most popular GameCube games, $100. We've talked about other Resident Evil games about a year ago, which... Code Veronica is now $200. I was thinking RE4, it's got to be up there, right? Mm-hmm. This game is still very cheap. It hasn't gone up in price at all since I bought it in 2014, <laughs> <laughs> which makes me a little upset that my uh, my stock in RE4 has remained static. Yeah, yeah, only but, $40. Yeah, but it's just one another one of these games that like whenever I see on our GameCube enthusiast Facebook group, uh, whenever people say, oh, you know, the prices of GameCube games you know, are, are insane. I always recommend a couple of games like Spider-Man, like Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, Nightfire, and Resident Evil 4 because these are three amazing games that you can get for less than the price of a new game today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can get them for $90, $100 max, which is a really good deal, and three games that are going to keep you uh, keep you busy for a long time. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a very special game in our hearts and uh, many of our listeners' hearts as well. So many, in fact, that we actually have uh, a callers coming in today, Mike, from Canada, the UK, and Australia. So I think this episode is going to be our most global, or our Ooh. most uh, our most diverse, if you will. Global episode. It's where mm-hmm. it's finally happening, Neil. And we get to talk about all the different case covers, too, because there are a ton of different versions of this game and different yep. uh, artwork uh, that came out, too. And we'll explain why that is uh, later on. And before we do that, let's dive into the stats of this wonderful game. Yeah, no worries. Uh, So Resident Evil 4 was released on January 11th, 2005, very early in the year, which is interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. Developed by Capcom Production Studio 4, published by Capcom. This is a GameCube exclusive, but it's also on (laughs) PS2, Windows, Wii, iOS, Zeebo, PS3, Xbox 360, Android, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Oculus Quest 2. And Frigidaire uh, screens. <laughs> Your Dyson Vacuum can now play. This game rates a 9 to 10 out of 10. I would give it a probably a 9.5 if you were to ask me. I'd probably uh, give it a 10 out of 10. Okay, nice. Uh, this game is priced at around $40 today. It's directed by Shinji Mikame, a very prolific Capcom director, also responsible for the Evil Within series, which is another very good survival horror uh, IP. Uh, this is often cited as the greatest game ever made. It sold a total of 11.1 million units across all platforms, which is pretty damn good. And uh, this game took our Resident Evil franchise that we love from the single camera view tank controls that Neil, of course, hates to the third person survival horror of the 21st century that uh, Neil loves and enjoys. <laughs> this was the Neil Reckoning. 
Yeah, this is the Neil Reckoning. Shinji Mikami knew that we need to get Neil in here. So we have two <laughs> options. We either add Shaggy and Scooby to this or we make the controls uh, coherent. So I'm really glad that they did that. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go for the, the latter. I don't think that would have fit that well. But, you no. know, it is. this is around Halloween time. So I'm glad you got to bring up Scooby-Doo one more time here, Neil. <laughs> of course. We've covered all the games, the Scooby-Doo games. So I have. this is the only – this is my time to shine. This, <laughs> this is, is the month I have outlet. To... <laughs> Yep, this is this is my month. So uh, with, uh, let's not talk too much about Scooby-Doo. Let's bring on our first guest, Mike. All right, sounds good. Our first guest of the day joining us from Canada is our friend of the show, Brian, who was just on last week to talk about Capcom 5. So we will go into another Capcom 5 game here, Resident Evil 4. And Brian, our first question to you is, how would you like Resident Evil 4 to be improved for the remake? That's kind of a tough question just because of the fact of how, how polished this game is. One of the mm-hmm. things that I probably disliked about Resident Evil 4 was some of the button prompt stuff. So I guess in the, in the early parts of the game, there's actually a boulder that comes down that's supposed to like hit Leon. All you do is press A on game on the mm-hmm. GameCube uh, pad. And I was like, okay, well, this really only challenges me to the point where I just have to mash A as fast as I could. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. That something like that is like not something that you would enjoy in 2021. Um, I'm not a big fan of the ending sequence where you're on a motorboat and it just becomes an like just an action, dro- you know, dodge, dodge like boulders mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is weird. But the overall game is so unbelievably polished that like I don't even mind the fact that it's. I remember playing on GameCube and like your your laser on your gun, it felt kind of static just moving around. You had to like find the head or find the body part that you want. That stuff was actually kind of fun. I didn't actually even find that even stress uh, or not stressful, but like the fact that it was kind of annoying. So I, I enjoy those parts of it. Yeah. I, I like the fact that it wasn't like an FPS where you can just move the gun all over the place. And the fact you had to specifically right. target, you could target specific limbs. I, I love stuff like that. And there's not a whole lot mm-hmm. I would change about it. The boss battles feel uh, very Resident Evil like. In the sense that uh, it is like more of an action pace, not a very horror pacing uh, for mm-hmm. for most boss battles. So uh, I, I like a lot of the stuff that they've put on in this game, and they've you know taken that and seemingly improved it uh, for most of the games later yeah. on. Yeah, no, that's that's a great answer mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I wanted to ask that because, like you said, the game is so polished; it's it's hard to find faults. It's it's such a great game, and so I always like to hear people's reactions for you know what they thought could be improved or what they didn't like about the game. Love um, love critiques about perfect games because it's it is hard to find them. Neil, do you have anything th- uh, about this game that you would like to see improved? Now that we're on this topic, of course, yeah, no, no problem. I would love to see. Uh, I I would love to have the ability to to walk and shoot at the same time. <laughs> just in one like, Capcom I, game, I just I, want that. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, every Capcom game, I don't know why they always uh, ha- have to have a stop to shoot. I, I get like it made more sense in the art, the original or the uh, the earlier Resident Evil games, which were more uh, tank controls and uh, the security camera angle. But when it's over the shoulder, like it's been what seventeen years now since Resident Evil Four came out, or sixteen years since Resident Resident Evil Four came out, and almost every single third person shooter since then has. Uh, improved on RE4 by allowing players to move and and shoot at the same time. So I would love just to be able to do that. Uh, and I understand what Brian was saying as well, too, about the uh, quick time events, which at the time in the mid-2000s, they were very new. And a lot of games in the generation after GameCube did 
did what Resident Evil 4 did to the max. Like I think of games like Uncharted and God of War 3 especially. Uh, actually all God of War games uh, where you just kind of press A, press B, press X and then your your character does this huge pre preset animation that you didn't really do. You just kind of mashed a button <laughs> correctly. Like congratulations, you know you know the controller you're holding sort of thing, which isn't really that exciting to 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 watch anymore. It was for the time, but it would be nice if they if they took some of that stuff out and maybe just turned it into a cutscene yeah. or removed it completely because the game does start to turn into more of like an action game that Resident Evil 5 and 6 were. Uh, Resident Evil 4 is that perfect balance of the survival horror of Resident Evil 1 through 3 and the action that we started to see with 5 and 6. Yep. Well, that's like, I couldn't put it better myself. That's uh, and that's the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we just finished <laughs> no, it no, yeah. not yet. <laughs> no, um, I mean we can talk for length about uh, Resident Evil, obviously, but uh, now let's move into the facts of how good this game actually is. Brian, what are your favorite parts about this game? What makes this one of the best games ever released? So this is actually the first Resident Evil game that I played growing up because I just wasn't old enough yeah. to play and i didn't have an older brother or an older sibling or something like that to you know give me resident the original resident evil so this was resident evil 4 was actually my first entry into the into the series and mm-hmm. i love the fact that you know the over the shoulder and everyone talks about this but it, it's true it's like the over the shoulder uh camera placement for you when you're shooting it it, it makes it like for for one it, it makes it a little bit different in the way that other games are uh, I like the laser sighting pointing, just the mm-hmm. fact that you can, again, like I mentioned, like target pre- specific limbs. So if you, you could actually bust someone's kneecap, uh, one of the villagers, if they're coming yeah. at you, you could shoot their face and they would actually get stunned from it sometimes, depending on who the mm-hmm. enemy is. Uh, mm-hmm. So things like that, uh, I thought were really fun. There's like a sense of dread too. So when, let's say like there's the, you can knife the wooden boxes, eventually there's like snakes yeah. in them. And then yeah. afterwards, when they introduce that, you're like, okay, like, I don't know if I want to spend, like, how, how do I want to deal with this, uh, this, this box anymore? It could be a snake. It could be, <laughs> you know, something worthwhile to have. And, and so that was, uh, that was like kind of frightening to me growing up playing because I just didn't know what it was anymore because the game introduced a new element. So, so those are, th- th- that was something that was, I thought was really cool. I remember like the very first impressions of the game in the first level were really insane. The fact that you had to go into the house and then there was a huge mob in the village that was trying to kill you. And mm-hmm. then the chainsaw guy comes out. And you're like, what is this game? This is incredible. Oh, it's like immediate. And at that time in gaming, uh, there was a lot of games like this, or at least in the genre, that took a long time to get going. You know, there's a lot of tutorial parts. There was just a lot of everything felt like it was a big tutorial for at least an hour in. This is just so instant. That you're you're just mm-hmm. yeah like the the swarm comes in and even I think less than an hour in you're you're fighting with that big sea monster thing uh, when you're in the boat like yep. that's an amazing part that I remember as a kid mm-hmm. and uh, thank you for mentioning well actually don't I don't thank you for mentioning those stupid boxes with the snakes that brought back <laughs> memories um, I I remember when I first played Dark Souls with you Brian uh, and I remember opening up a chest that had a mimic and getting eaten by it. I got like crazy flashbacks to getting wrecked by a snake when I when I would open up boxes in in Resident Evil. So I don't even remember the snakes doing a whole lot of damage. No. It's just the idea that you didn't want to. Take yeah, that's damage the thing. Exactly. Was really yeah. annoying because your health was based on 
herbs if you could buy them. They were limited supply. I like mm-hmm. the fact that, like, especially now that I've played a, a lot of the other Resident Evil games, like, you know, inventory storage was a thing, although they were quite generous compared to the previous yes. games. Uh, just ammo, like, you're, like, and the fact that you didn't have to fight every villager slash zombie. Uh, so things like that uh, I thought were really, really interesting. They also had some of those hidden, like, blue gem things that you had to shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, eventually they weren't hidden. They, I think they had, you could get a map that could tell you where all of them were, but you still have to go out there out of your way to get them. So there was, like, a fun, like, side side mission or side quest that you could do on your own time. Uh, and just the fact that, yeah, like, exploring the village, like, I thought the setting was fantastic. The fact that uh, even no matter if it was in a closed space in a house or if you're in an open field... No matter where, I remember in a graveyard, there were just like hordes of like villagers are trying to trying to kill you and stuff like that. Well, you're trying to rescue Ashley, yeah. the president's daughter. So, like, mm-hmm. it, no matter the setting, there was also something like something, some kind of grave danger that you would have been in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The settings are expertly crafted. Like, uh, aside from the village and the mansion and and the underground levels and the mountains that you have to explore and everything, I just want to talk about like the environment and I mean literally the environment and how good the sound design is in yes. this game. Like the rain, the wind, the water. Like the first part when you come out like onto the there's like a windy kind of cliff area with like scaffolding that you have to shoot enemies on. I remember playing that for the first time and just being so amazed. Like it felt windy like you could feel like the effect of the environment on the character like on leon who you're playing as and like when you're in the water and when you're under in caves like you can hear the drips and everything just the sound design for this game is unbelievably well detailed that it doesn't go unnoticed and it's very well done and like i couldn't think of anything on the gamecube that does it better like even other than maybe soul caliber but only like only in the beginning and not throughout the uh the game for sure uh, Resident Evil does it the best. And throughout. Soul Calibur is a bit more like, uh, I guess, theatrical yeah. and everything, like with the music and, and the characters fighting swords. This one is far more like maybe smaller, but more atmospheric. Like you're in this Spanish village, which we, we you know, we touched on a little bit there. The the characters that you're fighting against, they're not technically zombies. They're, they are like an infected horde, but they still kind of plot against you and you can hear them talking to each other and they, like, they're like they speaking in Spanish and they yell at you in Spanish. Like they're not just <laughs> zombies moaning and groaning. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit, it makes it way more creepier when the enemies are slightly more human than just yeah. these, you know, undead zombies that are coming after you in the rain. Oh, I was gonna also touch on the fact that it was also like a pretty, pretty looking game. Like the graphically, uh, mm-hmm. even on something like back that back in the day, uh, the villagers looked really good. The environments looked really good, and uh, I think we have to give a shout out to Stranger, you know, for just for like just a fun merchant guy. Like the, yeah. the kind of stuff doesn't happen in video games all that often. He's like, "What are no. you buying? What are you selling?" Like, like, and like that kind of stuff was. <laughs> you know, obviously a lot of people reference it. It's it's fun anytime you say it. it, it does, I don't think it mm-hmm. actually gets old, but they have all these fun things that like. I think when Capcom made made that character, they're like, Let, let's just sprinkle in a fun guy that's yeah. on your on your side, but he's also kind of menacing, weird looking. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I like the fact that he he helps you out, but he he also gels and meshes with the vibe of this game, and uh, I, I just think they hit so many so many so many good notes on this on in this game that it's hard to find flaws and it feels yep. like a game that even if you were to remake it, which it seems like they will down the road, it's not, I don't feel like they have to do a whole lot to reinvent the wheel here because they've just set such a great foundation. Mm-hmm. That's it, the thing, right? It, it's, it's polished is the perfect word to use. <laughs> yeah, I love, and I, I do love the inclusion of, of an NPC like stranger like, like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so 
it's so different from any Resident Evil game beforehand because you touch that's a you touched on it really well there, Brian, with the fact that you always feel like you're on your own. You know, you always feel like you're kind of alone, even if you have um, people with you helping you out. Um, it's, they're never like they always seem to oh let's split off you know <laughs> you're never actually doing things because that's that's definitely the best way to to go about haunted mansions and haunted areas is mm-hmm. uh, is go alone but it's it's nice to have someone there that is it's like creepy but you know that they're not going to kill you <laughs> yeah and even even with the stranger character the uh your merchant there like you still feel alone even with him around because he's the type of character that if you were to die you can tell he wouldn't care he wouldn't help you or anything he would keep existing it's not yeah. until you start to get those ashley missions where you start to feel like you have yes. a partner and those uh those escort missions do get a little tedious i think that that would be one of the things that i would also want to see improved are the uh, the ashley missions which are you know to be blunt like they're a little annoying which they almost always are i'm not a huge fan she's, of escort she's quite missions. slow as well yeah uh, yeah th- for someone that's run, in danger actually run <laughs> yeah for someone for someone that's in grave danger she doesn't travel really fast but for <laughs> no. some reason you run way faster than than she does granted yeah. that she's a kid but uh, yeah, it, I, I would like to see the you know the AI probably improve sure. a little bit for just to help mm-hmm. you, so it doesn't feel like you're babysitting an actual girl. Right. So. <laughs> AI, and then of course the dialogue as well, which we talked about a year ago. It feels like now when we talked about uh, Resident Evil, the other games on GameCube, the dialogue in Resident Evil Four is maybe a little bit improved from the earlier games, but it still is a little cheesy. Like it's not meant to be a it's not meant to be like a horror movie and you, you, it just feels very dramatic and, and the acting, it almost all feels like one takes like every single line felt like it was first take. Great. Keep it, cut it. And we're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause so. at the time you really didn't need anything like too crazy. Sure. Mm-hmm. And Brian, we had you on last week to talk about the Capcom five. And we mentioned briefly about devil may cry, uh, being a very well-known Capcom franchise from the early two thousands, uh, at the exact same time as uh, Resident Evil 4. Uh, Resident Evil 4 actually uh, spawned Devil May Cry. I don't know if you guys know this, but Resident Evil 4 was originally announced all the way back in 1999 is when Capcom uh, announced that they were working on this game. So it took a total of six years to come out, which is crazy. Uh, But in that time, the game went through four revisions, which all four were eventually discarded and remade, and then they made Resident Evil 4. Uh, But one of those games uh, was actually... The idea uh, of the Resident Evil 4 that they came up with ended up becoming Devil May Cry. So one of those scrapped ideas for RE4 eventually became in a completely different franchise. Yeah, and I guess that's what happens when you develop a game for so long. And it's just like, oh, we, we like these ideas and maybe we can stash them for later. Or Sometimes mm-hmm. when you make a new game, you're reminded that, oh, we did something that was kind of cool. Let's, let's see if we can fit it into this game. Yeah, I remember seeing the Hookman version, uh, which I think is what you were referring to. With mm-hmm. like the animated, uh, I think it was a castle, and he's like has like animated sets of armor, and they're like their puzzles revolving around revol- revolving around that, and there was a hook man. That's why it's called the hook man version. Yep. So it's just literally a dude. It looks like Candyman, I guess, and like, <laughs> literally has a hook, and he's trying to kill you. Yeah. So, uh, and I think those versions were like a little bit more scarier, or intended mm-hmm. to be, and I guess they just somehow met in the middle. They're like, let's just you know make it not as insane in terms of the horror <laughs> factor, but let's just keep a little bit of some of the action elements that we had as well. 
Yeah, there was yep. there was the fog version, the hookman version, and then the hallucination version. Those are kind of the three that we know the most about that were scrapped, and these were all shown. They were demoed. They were they created renders, and uh, they created basically mini versions of the game as proof of concepts. And none of them ended up seeing the light of day, except for the Devil May Cry version, which eventually, of course, was made. So yeah, it's it's obviously a game that was announced in 1999. It came out in 2005. Has a lot of development stories to it. So, but we clearly got a very good game out of it. So I'm glad that they took as much time as they did. It was a much needed rest. And we got a Capcom 5 out of it as well, which hit, yeah. hit or miss, but we got five games out of it nonetheless. We got five games. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take them. Well, Brian, is there anything else you'd like to talk about for Resident Evil 4 before we let you go? I just hope that the remake is every bit as good as you know Resident Evil 2 was. And uh, mm-hmm. I haven't played Resident Evil 3 yet. I hope that one's good. I, I actually do want to play the new resident evil 3 remake but hopefully they they do the game justice maybe there's going to be like almost like a classic mode where as you mentioned it's kind of annoying to stop and shoot all the time so mm-hmm. maybe they'll have a, a different version where you know they'll have those kind of controls and change and be there's like a toggle to switch it where you can just move around and shoot at the same time or have different new revised elements for 2021 so uh mm-hmm. yeah we'll see what we'll see what they do i'm interested i i'm definitely going to pick that game up just because of all the fun memories and how polished oh, yeah. again that this game is. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, we will definitely be picking up as well. Hundred percent. Now I'm really excited for RE4 remake, but until then, we still have RE4 on GameCube to play, which is still a terrific game to play today. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, it's on many different platforms. You probably already own a console that you can play it on. Uh, so Brian, thank you so much again for coming on today and last week. Uh, it's been a ton of fun talking to you about uh, Capcom games, and uh, we look forward to hopefully having you back on real soon. All right, thanks again, guys. No problem. See you later, Brian. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Brian, very much for coming on, sharing some Resident Evil 4. And that's it for Brian. He's done. No more Capcom. No more Resident Evil. He's talked about it all. There's nothing left on the GameCube, Neil. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it for Brian. I mean, he said that he had a PS2 as a kid, right? He didn't even have a GameCube. Is that... Yeah, I didn't have a game. He'll be on for more episodes, but I can't believe that Resident Evil is done now for us. But we still have more guests to come on to talk about Resident Evil 4, obviously, because this is a big, meaty episode, Neil. Oh, it's huge. Resident Evil 4 is one of the best games on the GameCube, one of the best games of all time, super influential. And uh, I'm really excited to have a bunch more guests on. Uh, Actually, I think that we have another guest joining us right now, Mike. Uh, Who do we have on the line? Right now, we have Luke from England, from the UK. Uh, Resident Evil Collector is how he's known on the uh, social medias. Uh, amazing collection. Please check it out because it's pretty crazy, the stuff he has. And so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, Luke. Uh, our first question to you is, what is your favorite Capcom game? Hello there. Uh, thank you for having me on and for the shout-out. Of course. Um, sure. Yeah, Capcom-wise... Uh, even though this is a Resident Evil 4 episode, my favorite Capcom title is actually Resident Evil 3. Very nice. Sweet. Very nice. Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Nemesis, yep. So if we're keeping with the GameCube element, I ended up getting Resident Evil 3 on the GameCube as well as the PlayStation. Nice. And I was quite surprised that they charged you full retail price for a game that came out like four or five years previously. <laughs> Nintendo is uh, is infamous for doing that even today. Like it seems like when they release new games, like a game like Skyward Sword, which uh, came out 10 years ago on Wii, is still being priced. Uh, not sure how much games are actually where, where you're from in England, but in Canada here, get games, new games for us are 80 bucks. 
plus tax, it ends up being about $90. So yeah, games are expensive now. And if you're someone like me who played the game on Wii or Wii U and Nintendo puts out this new Switch port, I find it hard to justify spending another $90 on this game where they just took out motion controls. But that, That's it. Yeah, no, I did the same. I, I think Zelda Frost uh, Skyward Sword was like $49.99, which was the same price when it came out originally. But they just throw stuff in like a steelbook or a key ring and everyone just goes ahead and pre-orders it. I've got to have that coin. I need that coin. In. <laughs> Towering the <Yeah>. magnet. Anything, <laughs> anything that they can throw in for free that they probably had in the office for like a year exactly. or two. Exactly. We also have to ask you the question of, well, you did mention that you did have a GameCube growing up. And we also want to know, did whoever buy it for you have the foresight to get a memory card with the GameCube? No, no. Um, <laughs> so I got the GameCube when uh, I think the Star Wars Rogue Squadron came out at the same time, mm-hmm. yep. like a release title in the UK. That's right. So mm-hmm. I saw the sort of back of that, and I just had to had to get that from day one. Um, nice. So my parents bought me the GameCube along with Star Wars, and then that's when it caught on that I need an actual memory card, um, <laughs> and it. Obviously, I think I used to get like £5 pocket money per week. So to save up for, I think I got like a third-party GameCube. It took like a full month of saving up. So wow, it, it was, um, that was the thing, same with like the PlayStation and that. The memory cards weren't things you'd put on the wish list for Christmas. You just want the games and that's all you think about. Yeah, I love I love stories like that because uh, there's so many people who've experienced that where, you know, parents didn't know that you needed memory cards with these things. <laughs> it was it, there's no and really there was no like way to look that up. You just go to a game store, you buy the console. Why would you have to buy anything else? Why wouldn't this come with it? But uh yeah, thank you so much for sharing that personal memory. And of course, we got to ask you what's your memory of this great game that we're talking about today? What are your first memories of playing Resident Evil 4? So when it first came out, it was obviously like a huge shock on how they changed the direction of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had your first person, no, not your first person, your uh, like restricted camera angles and whatnot. And every corner felt like it was a survival horror title. You wasn't sure what was around each corner. You just heard noises in the background and that. So yeah, and with tank controls, it, it made the game a lot harder. Where with the GameCube, with Resident Evil 4, I felt like it was more fluid and more action-packed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was, yeah, I think it was just, it took a while to get used to. And it was weird how my friends at school and college had uh, played Resident Evil 4. But when I asked them, have you played 0, 1, or 2, or 3, um, they had no acknowledgement of that. They just got into 4 and then got into 5. And when they... It tried one to three. They said, oh, no, the graphics are horrible. Tank controls are horrible. No, I forced the best game in the series. And that's really, I'm glad that you brought that up because uh, you're right. A lot of people, Resident Evil 4 was their first foray into Resident Evil, which at the time had been going on for at least seven years at that point. Uh, and I mean, Neil is one of those people who doesn't like the tank controls. Uh, I personally do love them, but uh, I know, yeah, Neil is not a fan. No, I can't get behind the tank controls. And actually, what's interesting about Resident Evil 4 is that they actually are still tank controls in the game. The issue with the first couple of games there is the camera angle. I don't like the fixed camera angle and it flips depending on where you're standing in the room. I like to have the fixed camera behind uh 
Leon's shoulder. It just helps a ton for me. And that that's the way I played games. Like I mainly played first person shooters before games like Resident Evil 4. You know, we've talked about, you know, GoldenEye and Nightfire and everything else. So yeah, going back to playing Resident Evil 2 on, for me, the N64 was impossible. I My brother had that game and I couldn't even get past the opening scene where uh, you're in the... Um, the in the streets and the, the cars are all on fire and the zombies are coming at you. I couldn't figure out how to ready your gun, take a shot, reload, aim. Like I, I, I could not stand it. So yeah, switching to the, the new camera angle for me was a huge help uh, to bring me into the series. So for me, Resident Evil 4 is the first Resident Evil game that I played from, from start to finish. And I think Luke, like you said, like everyone starting off with Resident Evil 4 and having not played any of the previous games is one of the first times where something like this happened. Like I specifically think of games like The Witcher 3, Fallout 3, uh, games like that, where these are like the first games that everyone's playing and they're the biggest thing on the planet, but no one had played the games before it. I think Resident Evil was was one of those franchises as well, where people played Resident Evil 4, having never played anything previous. Uh, so yeah, I love that story. And were you old enough to remember when the original Resident Evil games were out? Like, were you old enough to buy those games on your own at the time? Okay, so I was born in 89. Um, but the benefit of growing up, I had a brother that was nine years older than me. So anything he got, I, it was passed down to me, like uh, his Mega Drive, Sonic the Hedgehog, um, his Super Nintendo. I kind of grew up with whatever he bought or asked for from my parents. Um, okay. So I remember when he got the PlayStation, the two games that were of big interest at the time was obviously Tomb Raider and Resident Evil 1. And nice. I, I was too scared to play it. I was about <laughs> six or seven at the time. And I remember when I he gave me the controller for fun, told me where to go, and I died by the first zombie. And it, just, it scared me. I, I thought it was real. I, 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 and Resident Evil 2, it just got scarier. Yeah, so my brother did most of the playing, and I just sat back and watched. Um, it wasn't until possibly I was in middle school, um, and then I started getting my own copies of the games, and that's when I fell in love with uh, number three, because me and my mate would play it every weekend and we'd just find ways to defeat the nemesis or take the different scenario routes. That that Ari, uh, the, the first, like Biohazard Resident Evil, the first one, uh, is honestly a really scary game. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. uh, those, those, especially when the frog things, the hunters, uh, when those come out, like halfway through the game, you know, you're used to fighting these zombies. Sometimes you'll get a crimson head, but all of a sudden you have this frog that's basically <laughs> leaping up on you. This That like scared me. Oh my God. Uh, that scared me in university playing that game <laughs> with uh, Brian who was <laughs> on earlier. It's a lot harder as well. Yeah. yeah once the hunters are involved, that's it. <laughs> exactly. I, I would recommend the remaster of Remake to be the first game anyone tries. But yeah. then I can imagine how the tank controls and camera angles might put newbies off. So that's why I would recommend probably Resident Evil 7 to the modern audience. Mm. And, and how do you feel about them? They've remastered now Resident Evil 2 and 3, two of your, one of them being your favorite Resident Evil game of all time. How do you feel about them changing the layout of the game from being the uh, security camera, uh, single view camera tank controls over to the over-the-shoulder Resident Evil 4 style? Do you think it's like a way of improving the game and bringing it into the 21st century? Uh, I would say, yeah, definitely Resident Evil 2. Um, I think the the remake was brilliant. Um, I love the, the graphics, the gameplay style, and what they added to it. Um, but the only thing is, I don't like how they did the scenario of these, where 
it was pretty much if you're Claire or Leon, you're doing the same story mode no matter what. It didn't feel like they bothered putting as much work as they did with the original game in that aspect. But it's definitely a game you could just chuck on for like two to three hours and just play from start to finish. With number three remake, I I think I had too much hype for it because it was my favorite title. When that came out, I think I had high expectations, but obviously they cut out quite a lot of the locations from the original, and it just didn't really feel like the Resident Evil 3 I knew and loved in that, the 90s. So, yeah, number two, I, 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 I like what they've done with number three. I felt like they just rushed it, brought it out too soon after the, the, the second one. Yeah, I think that that was a popular uh, criticism of the game when it came out last year. Now, they've talked a lot about remaking Resident Evil 4. I think that that's something that almost every single fan of of video games wants to see. So uh, when they eventually do come out with Resident Evil 4 Remake, what would you like to see improved in the game? Is there anything specifically that stands out uh, to you? Um, I would like like them to keep the characters the same, the dialogue, like on similarity to how the original was. What I'm interested to see if they go down the first person route, which would mm. be kind of random, but it might be quite quite nice to see, seeing as they're doing the Resident Evil 4 VR. But yeah, if they're going to do a remake or remaster, whatever they wish to do, uh, I just want them to try and keep the original as possible, but just expand on locations such as the village and the castle and that, playing Resident Evil 8, recently that kind of gave you an idea of what we could expect so where where does resident evil 4 for you rank in the series do you think it's as high up as most people say it is because like if someone like me i would i would rank it as number one but i've only played truth be told i've only ever played two remake four i played bits of five and six I, I wasn't really into them and i've played about half of seven so four is my obvious answer for my favorite one but uh do you think it ranks as high as as most people say it does Back in 2005, when it first came out, I obviously was on a high from playing Code Veronica and that, and I still loved the way the series was going. So I think when it first came out, I wouldn't rank it as high as I did like nowadays, where I think now I can appreciate how much of a, how much effort and they had that confidence to move the series into a new direction, to gain more fans and that. So I would rank it probably... Number number four. Number four out of all the games. Nice. Alrighty, four, number four. One game that I think is always criminally underrated, and I'm not sure if you have heard our Resident Evil episode or and think the same way as I do, but I think Code Veronica is honestly criminally underrated. That game is really unique and different and honestly super scary, and I never hear anyone talk about it. I would... Code Veronica would be my second favorite. Nice. Um, if... If the Nemesis wasn't in number three, Code Veronica could possibly be number one for me. Yeah, it's got one of the best soundtracks in the series. I think it expands on Claire Redfield, where in the second game, I thought it was more of Leon's kind of title. But yeah, no, I, I, Code Veronica, I think, was a brilliant game. Um, and yeah, it was just surprising at the time for Capcom to then bring out number four. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I believe there were different teams that were working on each one. I think it was a a different team that worked on Code Veronica, which because it, it was for the Dreamcast originally. Uh, but I think now I just want to talk to you a little bit about your collection. So on Instagram, like I said earlier, you're a Resident Evil collector. And what what got you into this collecting for, for Resident Evil? Um, well, I started collecting at around 2007, 2008. Uh, so obviously I left college and that. I got a job 
and I was I finally had money. So I was like, oh, income. Wow. <laughs> yeah, what, what do I do with this money? Um, so I kind of been into collecting like previously, like with Dragon Ball Z, and I was like, oh, I really want to like dedicate to collecting one series. So I was like, my favorite game is Resident Evil 3, and I thought I'm just going to collect anything to do with the Nemesis or Jill Valentine. Mm-hmm. So I got like a Nemesis statue figure, Jill Valentine, Jill uh, statue and whatnot. And then I was like, oh, okay, there's this thing called eBay. Um, <laughs> I started searching on there, Resident Evil. And then there was more items from like Japan, Germany and that. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's quite nice. And yeah, it kind of just escalated from there. Uh, where nowadays it's got to the stage where I think I might just settle down and just collect stuff like promo items, so like um, advertising standees and posters and whatnot. But yeah, there's there's always something out there that you've never known or seen before, and it's like a never-ending thing. So yeah, it's it's a pretty poor. Yeah, your, your bank account is pretty poor at all times. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so what what would you say is the most valuable or rare item in your collection? Because I, I'm looking at it right now and just scrolling down, some of these statues are unbelievably well detailed. Some of them look like they're old, like from the 90s when the franchise first started. So have you have you had a chance to check the prices on any of the things that you own? Like regularly, I see I see stuff I own. Um, I check like sold prices. Just uh, it's nice knowing that you bought something. For like maybe like hundred dollars ten years ago, and now it's gone up to like four hundred dollars from like Jeez. sold listings. Yeah. So I think that that's nice. I I never have the intention of uh, collecting or buying to sell in the future. So mm-hmm. I won't buy something and think, oh, in two years' time I can sell this for double the price because it's rare or anything like that. The rarest item I probably own, um, personally, to me, the rarest items I own would be promotional standees and that um, okay. because I always see them as they were in the game shops during the day that they've either been destroyed thrown away or they're just in bad condition because most of them are made out of cardboard and you got your sure. promo posters from like the 90s like half of them are probably being destroyed or ripped apart stuck on walls right so yeah to, to me personally i would say anything promotional okay is there an item that i guess you treasure more than the rest the, your number one item regardless of uh, of how much it would be worth today well, I think uh, I am that was because with the UK, uh, to get like airsofts in, it's quite a struggle. Um, you need like a license and whatnot. Uh, they made a Code Veronica airsoft set, like the Gold Lugas. Yeah, I saw that. And you have, you got like the wall plaque relief where in the game you, you use it to put the Lugas onto like a door to open it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've done like a real life. Um, like life-size stand and where you put the gold lugas in. Wow. And that would be probably my most treasured item. Uh, If you live in Japan, you could pick up one any day of the week, but to have it on your wall and to live in England where, like, gun laws and firearms are, like, forbidden, it's, like, (laughs) quite, quite nice going. Wow really impressive and one one of the more sought after items from the resident evil 4 era is the uh the chainsaw controller which came out alongside the game i know there was a ps2 version of the controller i can't remember if there was one for gamecube but is that one of the items currently in your collection yeah um i own the gamecube and playstation one so the playstation is a red controller and the gamecube one is a yellow controller okay if you want to know one of the rarest Resident Evil 4 items, it's actually a black controller. 
Mm. So it looks like the looks like the yellow controller, but it's painted black, and okay. it's like a prototype that was shown at uh, the game shows when they were promoting Resident Evil Four for the GameCube. Oh wow! Um, oh, very and cool. I think there's about there's about ten to twenty apparently in the world, um, <laughs> and people that have bought them have paid uh, silly money. Uh, <laughs> there's one on on um, my Facebook group. He was asking for twelve hundred dollars. Oh. And I thought that was not going to sell, and then uh, he ended up selling it within the day. So it's like, wow. okay. <laughs> there are people out there. There's people out there that pay twelve hundred dollars for a controller. Now, what's it like playing? Have you ever played Resident Evil with that chainsaw controller? I've always <laughs> wondered what it's like play. I've never held one. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen one here in Toronto. But it just looks so uncomfortable to hold. Is the game any better playing with it, or is it just impossible? Uh, it's impossible, but um, the PlayStation <laughs> 2 one, from what I remember, it, uh, it vibrates. Oh, oh, cool. All right. That's, that's <laughs> vibrating fun, chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> well, the chainsaw is so iconic with Resident Evil 4. Like, yeah. the first time you hear that chainsaw roar up in the background and then he just destroys you, and that death animation is brutal in yeah. RE4 when the first time, like, Leon basically gets his, unexpected. Like, yeah. his body basically chopped in half diagonally. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just... in the Japanese version, they um, had to cut all that out because um, there's some law where they can't have beheading or anything like that in mm. films and games. So it's like they've got a censored version, but I've never seen that before. Yes, that's right. And because that's why there's different covers for different regions and specifically in Japan. And I think maybe your cover in the UK is the same one where it's like the the trees, it's red, uh, there's the number four and there's like these kind of black trees and branches everywhere. Uh, and then like there's a small silhouette of Leon. And yes, that is because, and I'm, I think you were probably just going to say this, Neil, that that is because of the Japanese uh, laws because you see uh, the the chainsaw man, whatever his name is, I forget, uh, with the bag uh, on the cover for the North American version. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about our cover. It's all right, like with Leon, like the chainsaw guy in the background. The one with the red, the red sky and the the black trees is is really cool. It just doesn't it doesn't really display exactly what the game is because Resident Evil is it's very dynamic. Like where you go, you go from this village in Spain, you go to these underground caves, you go on uh, on a lake to fight a giant uh, alligator monster thing, and then you <laughs> go to this ancient castle. So it's pretty hard to summarize all of that in a single image. Uh, but there there are a lot of different uh, different box arts depending on where you buy it. So that's really cool though. I love I love that chainsaw controller. It's it's so cool. It just looks so stupid to hold. <laughs> I did want to say one thing, one last thing about your collection. Uh, this is probably Neil's favorite item in the collection. It's uh, your three Resident Evil movie. UMD discs for yes. the uh, <laughs> for the PSP. <laughs> oh, just I remember tagging um, Mila, the actress who plays Alice, hoping that she would see it and give me a, a love heart or a share. But nah, <laughs> you never know. Now, now, would you like a movie to come out that is like beat for beat like the games? Uh, well, apparently the one that's coming out next month is meant to be one and two. Combined together, the oh. Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, the trailers come out this week. It, it looks all right. The CGI looks a bit iffy, but um, I'm willing to give it a go. Is that coming out in theaters? I haven't heard anything about that here. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, they released the trailer this week, but the movie's coming out in theaters at the end of November. Oh wow! Yeah, that's how did I weird. not hear about this? Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's uh, yeah, IGN six days ago. Okay, I got to check this out. Yeah, our criticism is um, based on the, the appearances of the actors they chose. They look nothing like 
Jill Fallon time and that from the games. Mm. So, yeah, it's already uh, getting, I don't know, hatred on the internet. <laughs> so I'll just wait and see how it is. Well, this has been a lot of fun having you on today. Uh, just a blast talking about your collection, talking about the games. Uh, we do want to ask you before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to say about Resident Evil 4? Um, I would like to say it is definitely one of the, the best Resident Evil games in the series. Uh, I think the soundtrack, the boss battles, the locations all sum up perfectly how much of a great game it is. And never forget the regenerators who, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but they're the ones that you need the thermal scope to kill. Yes. Oh, like yeah. The scariest, yeah. scariest characters in the game. I didn't know how to kill them at first. I remember that. So it's such a good lead up. Uh, just like the eerie music and yeah. you read reports on it. And then all you hear is just them like sniffing and... Yeah, for me, that was the creepiest part about them was that you yeah. don't know how to kill them and the breathing just causes so much anxiety because it yes. sounds like that they have like four lungs and none of them work right. <laughs> that's like the only way I can describe that sound. It's like, oh, why are you breathing like that? Uh, yeah, that that's a really cool uh, cool enemy. You have to use your thermal yeah, gun. They just have so many great enemies in that series. Yeah. Uh, they have and they're also diverse too. Like you go from the villagers and then you fight like the weird cult members who have like these giant sites and then you're fighting like the military at one point. Like it just keeps changing every every time you go. Like the enemies don't just ratchet up. They get different and they have different guns. And eventually like when you blow a guy's head off, like the tentacle uh, bug thing comes out sometimes too. And then that kills you. It's just so it's so cool how the enemies uh, so get, cool. get stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, may, it may be fascinating to get to the end and find out what's going on well, yes. who are these people? You thought they were humans at first, but there's like, yeah, then there's parasites and... <gasps> yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers for RE4. <laughs> Can I ask you guys one question, seeing as you're SpongeBob fans? Oh, yes. I, the, the squirrel is... Oh, I can't remember her name now. Sandy. Yep. Sandy she uh, does the voice of Ashley. She is. Resident Evil 4. Oh my I, God. I, I don't know if you guys knew that. I didn't. Yep. Neil did. And I, I did. can't... I, and... The funny thing is, is that I played this recently and I should have picked up on this, but I did not. And I'm usually pretty good with voice actors, but Neil did pick up on it. He didn't tell me who it was. He's like, wait for it. We'll probably talk about it with Resident Evil Collector. And, and that's not even that, that's not even the craziest part, Luke. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I was I was playing and listening. I've been cov- I've been watching Resident Evil uh, gameplay all week and I was listening to Ashley talk. And I was like, is that Cindy Vortex from Jimmy Neutron? Cindy's back. And sure enough, (laughs) yeah, the actress's name is Carolyn Lawrence. And yeah, you're right. She voices Sandy Cheeks from SpongeBob. She's doing like a Texas accent. Yeah, basically Ashley, but like a Stone Cold version. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They made her boobs really big. It made me a little confused on how old she is. Uh, At first I was like, oh, she's 10. But then she's got like double Ds. And I'm like, oh, maybe she's she's 21. I don't know. Oh my god! I can't believe I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Thank you, thank you for bringing that up <laughs> and, and, and tying it all together. I will with... let you SpongeBob fans know. <laughs> yes, of course. And, and tying it all together with UMD discs and the Resident Evil movies. The only UMD movie I own is the SpongeBob SquarePants movie on my PSP. <laughs> the best way to watch it. So, great, the great fact. Only way to watch the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. But thank you very much, Luke, Resident Evil collector, uh, for coming on today and talking about Resident Evil with us and. Please go and check him out on Instagram on, I guess, other, are you on other social medias uh, or is Instagram the main place where you, you have fans? So Facebook, uh, I've got a group uh, called Resident Evil Collectors Hub. 
Uh, that's just from, like a place for all Resident Evil fans to gather. They can buy, sell their items, and they can also discuss anything to do with the series. Amazing. And on Instagram, I am just resident underscore collector. Uh, that's gotcha. just me on Instagram. Perfect. Love it. Okay. Yeah, go go but check yeah, them thank out. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, of no. course. Uh, our, the pleasure is all ours. It's been a great time, and yeah, we hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Take care, man. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Luke, Resident Evil Collector, for coming on today, uh, talking about your collection. Again, please check out that Instagram page because the, he's got everything. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah, I know. I'm super jealous of the collection. I'm, I'm always impressed by people who can focus in on one IP or, or one movie or, or something like that and just collect everything for it, go after all the rare stuff, uh, be a part so, of all so these communities. People like us who focus like us. on one thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, we don't, though. That's the thing. Is like We love GameCube and everything, but we, we do collect for other consoles. But I know, yeah. It, it's great to have a Resident Evil, uh, f- huge Resident Evil fan on the show for today's special episode. Uh, we still do have a couple more guests joining us today, though, Mike. So why don't we go ahead and introduce the next guest? Yeah, for sure. The next guest, Neil, is Kira, a.k.a. Toonie Twirls, uh, and she is a self-proclaimed GameCube enthusiast and a huge Resident Evil fan, and that's why she's coming on the episode today. And Kira, before we get into Resident Evil 4, uh, our first question to you is, what is your favorite Capcom title of all time? It would have to be the Resident Evil 1 remake for the GameCube, of course. Nice. Nice. Mike's a huge fan of that game too, specifically the one on... Actually, you like the PS4 version better, don't you, Mike? The more recent one? Yeah, but that is just a remaster of the GameCube yeah. remaster, I guess. So nice. I do love that 2002 GameCube uh, mm. uh, remaster that they made, a remake, I guess. Yeah, I played both versions, yeah. Yeah, I just mm. fell in love with it the first time I played it, you know? It was like... It kind of kickstarted that love I have from the old school, like, fixed camera angle, tank controls, Resident Evil games. And so, okay. so then you would you would put Resident Evil One above Resident Evil Four then? Yeah, but it's um it's very close. They are both in my top five games ever. So it's not it's not very much, okay. but <laughs> Mike and I talk about that all the time. The fixed camera angle I think divides a lot of Resident Evil fans like me. Like I can't play those games, the original ones, just because of the, the way the camera angle mm-hmm. is and how the games control. That's why I love RE Four so much is because it uh, it completely reinvented it. And now they're remaking all of the old games too. Like Resident Evil 2 was a ton of fun. Played that last year during the pandemic. And uh, still waiting to play the Resident Evil 3 remake. But uh, I'll get to that soon enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think both... Um, I enjoy both the styles where it's over the shoulder or again, the old school style. I think they both have their own like benefits, their own strengths. So, Oh, of course. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the benefits of the over the shoulder here with Resident Evil 4. But before we do that, we got to ask... Why GameCube? Why the love for GameCube? Obviously, we uh, are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, <laughs> so uh, we understand it. But for everyone else out there, why okay. why has GameCube grabbed you in, uh, so much in uh, in this sense? Oh, it's, it's hard to describe, honestly, in, in full, mm-hmm. but I, I will do my best. Sure. Okay. <laughs> it, there is the undeniable nostalgia aspect because I grew up with this console. It was the first console I ever had. So I grew up with like the Mario Sunshine, Wind Waker, you know. And did your parents have the foresight to buy you a memory card as well with the GameCube? Yes, they did. Because well, they, they played the GameCube themselves. They, they were big fans. They played nice. a lot of Super Monkey Ball. I remember we played that together as a family. Oh my god! I'm always I'm always <laughs> super jealous of 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 uh, 
of GameCube enthusiasts or video gamers in general who had parents that were in the know already. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents weren't. They knew enough to talk to the, uh, the the people working at EB Games or whatever it was that they got my GameCube from. Whoever was working there definitely set my parents up well. <laughs> they got me the memory card and then they got me the Game Boy Advance player. So like I was set from day one. Um, but I'm always like jealous of people who have their parents pick up the consoles so they can play as well or they've been playing games as well. Whereas uh, I, I just had to kind of pick it up and figure it out as I went along. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And I was also looking at your top 10 GameCube games that you have on Instagram. Oh, By the way, everyone, right. please follow Kira on Instagram, Toonie Twirls. Uh, it's really, <laughs> really uh, great stuff. I love looking at your page. Your posts are always so well articulated, too. You put a lot of love into them, and, and I love seeing that. Oh, yeah. thank you. Uh, so, of course, I had to look and judge your top 10 GameCube <laughs> games. And... Mila, it was a pretty solid uh, top 10. I'll, I'll read it out here. Number 10 is Chibi Robo. Okay. Uh, great pick there. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Animal Crossing, number nine. Four Swords Adventures, number eight. That might be a bit bit of a polarizing one. Uh, mm. And then we got just solid, solid games here. Double Dash, Luigi's Mansion, Paper Mario, Resident Evil 4 coming in at number four. I like that. Uh, Sunshine <laughs> okay. at number three. The first Resident Evil, like you said earlier, at number two. And Wind Waker, of course, at number one. So, <laughs> it yeah. can be anything else. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be anything else. And so <laughs> then that leads me to my next question. Uh, you love Toon Link and you put a lot of Toon Link love, Jill Valentine love out there, but also a lot of Toon Link love uh, on your page. And why is that? Why do you why do you love Toon Link so much? The, the main thing is he's just adorable. Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the main thing. But... Um, and it would also have to be my connection to the games Wind Waker and Phantom Hourglass. I know it's a very unpopular opinion to love Phantom Hourglass, but I do. So good. But I'm just very attached <laughs> to those games. So yeah, I, I tried to play those DS games, and I I love Toon Link too. Wind Waker is my second favorite Zelda game. Mm-hmm. So great choice putting Wind Waker at number one. Definitely a worthy uh, a worthy entry to be the n- number one best GameCube game of all time. I am not mad about that at all. Great. Pick. <laughs> mm-hmm. of, yeah. Of course. And then number four was Resident Evil 4 here, and that's what we're talking about today. So what are your first memories with that title? I didn't play it myself for quite a long time, but Mm -hmm. I do remember my dad bought the game, and I was very intrigued by it because I... I, um, Obviously, I know better than this now, but at the time, I thought Nintendo only ever did, like, kid-friendly stuff on their consoles. Of course. So I was very... Yeah, it was it was kind of weird to see the, this big, scary horror game that my dad was playing, and he wouldn't let me in the room while he was playing it as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so but, funny. But, you know, yeah, that didn't stop me, though, because I would, like go over and like sneak a peek around the door to see what was going on. <laughs> Did it frighten you though? Like when you first got to actually start to play it and watch it was the game. Cause I remember Mike and I were talking about like when we first played this game, our first opinion of it was that it felt like you were watching a movie and you were actually watching Leon Kennedy get his head cut off. Did it frighten you at first? Yeah, it did, definitely. I mean, I'm just not very good with horror in general, but so... It looks like you are, though, just based on your Instagram page. Like we said, like you love Jill Valentine and you have a lot of Resident Evil games. I'm Resident right Evil now. is my limit, I would say. <laughs> okay. Like, anything beyond that. Because, I mean, Resident Evil isn't as, as bad as it can get with horror. No. I think it's... No, it, there's a lot worse stuff. You it's know. pretty tame for the most part, yeah. like, uh, if you think about it. And most Resident Evil games, they do start off horror. And then I find that about 75% of the way through the games, they actually start to get a little bit more sci-fi-ish and mm-hmm. goofy. Like, especially once, spoiler alert, most of the times you end up like in a lab of some kind <laughs> or 
with some like weird cult members like in Resident Evil 4 and it just starts to get kind of wacky as opposed to like the opening scene of Resident Evil 4 which is iconic with Leon Kennedy coming up into this village in uh, in in Spain and everyone's trying to kill you and you don't know why it starts off as this really tight horror game uh, with limited ammo and and you have you know one gun and you have to kind of fight your way through this horde of enemies which in Resident Evil 4 they went away from being mindless zombies to uh, these enemies that can dodge you and like duck your shots and everything it, it got really that was scary in itself actually it was when the enemies started to kind of react to you shooting at them a certain way yeah yeah they were a lot more intelligent as well I think that adds to the fear factor you know definitely and I see that you also own Resident Evil 4 on GameCube and Wii. Have you played both versions? Because Mike and I were talking about this earlier, about how the Wii version is actually considered uh, by some fans the better way to play. Do you have a preference on which console you play this game on? I am biased towards GameCube, but I do enjoy the Wii version. Sweet. Okay. I kept having this issue, though, where um, I couldn't get the sensor bar to get in the right place. So mm-hmm. that would just sort of stop working occasionally. So you'd be in the middle of like a boss fight, you know? Yeah. And Leon Kennedy would just start waving his arms around and it's like, <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, so that doesn't happen just, in the GameCube version. <laughs> just the GameCube, I, it works. So <laughs> I, th- I think that one of the reasons why the Wii version is popular is because with Resident Evil 4, the aiming is different than a lot of first-person shooters where the aiming reticle is actually on a slight angle. And it and it shakes a little bit too. Like Leon Kennedy will the the if you try and hold it still, you actually can't, which makes aiming slightly more difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's also on like a slight angle to the to the right. Uh, so if you have the Wii mote, that takes that away. So you can kind of have a little bit more control over where you're aiming. But like Kira said, sometimes the Wii mote does what the Wii mote does, and it will just flip out. And now Leon Kennedy is is having a seizure <laughs> while you're about to be killed by Chainsaw Guy. <laughs> And uh, in terms of actually playing it, so your first experience was seeing your dad play it. When when did you play it? Like how many years ago was that? Just like a couple of years ago that you actually ended up picking it up and playing it? Yeah, just a couple of years ago at most. And so then what, okay. what was your actual, I guess, experience of getting to play this game fully through? See, it's crazy because um, at first I really did not like the game at all because mm. it was just so different from... Because I, I literally just played the same Nintendo games, you know? Us too. So this is like so different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, could, I couldn't um, get behind the controls at first. Okay. So that, but that came with time and I stuck with the game because I knew it was supposed to be really good. I gave it a chance and yeah, um, the more I played it, the more I grew to love it. So, and now it's one of my favorite games ever. <laughs> That's sweet. A, that's that's a great story. I love I love hearing stuff like that because there are a lot of games out there uh, that you do need to give give it time and learn the controls, learn how it's supposed to be played. Really, especially for a franchise like Resident Evil, which already has three, well, I guess more than that at this point, uh, entries that are pretty like favorably reviewed, especially the first one. So it's the fact that they take this genre really on its and spin it on its head, change everything about what people knew about Resident Evil before. It's uh it's very hard to to be a fan of that genre, go into Resident Evil 4 and be like, oh, this is a great game because it's the same, because it's not the same. Everything's changed. So to be able to have that outlook on on something and want to try it and have the patience for it is pretty cool. 
hundred percent. And w- one thing that we haven't talked about yet, Kira, and I wanted to pick your brain about it is the the boss fights in this game. Now, Resident Evil is very well known for its bosses, especially like I, I think of Resident Evil One, the giant snake. Yeah, uh, Resident Evil Two, um, Mr. X. Uh, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. And then Resident Evil Four has some really cool boss fights too. My personal favorite would be, but it's between the um, the alligator thing, the Del Lago the monster in the lake that you fight with your speedboat and you have to throw harpoons at it. I really like that boss fight. It does get a little bit more that that's when the game for me sneaks into the era or sneaks into the realm of being more like an action zany wacky game uh, and less of a survival horror game. But uh, I also really love uh, chief uh, Menendez when he turns into like this kind of uh, centipede uh, scorpion <laughs> thing like his body just extends out and it's disgusting and his rib cage is moving uh, are there any boss fights for you uh, that, that that stand out in your mind mine would be um, the lake monster as well because I was yeah. um, I was doing that today as well because I want to play the first like chapter or so of the game just to refresh my memory of it nice. right so I was fighting them once they, that boss today yeah, I think that is that the second boss because the first one you fight is the uh, El El Giante, the big kind of um, Shrek looking that's, thing. That's um, that's the second boss fight. That's like right after it, mm-hmm. but they, they happen like back to back. So yeah, yeah, my order is out there. But those two for the first two boss fights there are, are really cool, and I think the El uh, Giant El Gian, I can't say that right. The, the giant <laughs> the giant Shrek troll thing that you fight. I think that's on the he's on the back of the case too. So kind of looks like a cave troll from Lord of the Rings. Uh, how about you, Mike? Are there any boss fights from this game that stand out? You guys already took mine. <laughs> uh, those were those were all the ones I was going to say. Uh, although um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the final boss in Resident Evil Four. Resident Evil, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I've never really loved the final bosses in them. Um, oft, I, okay. And I think that's because I'm often too overpowered when I fight them, because I, I'm saving all my ammo, I'm saving all my grenades, everything, to because mm. I don't know what's coming. But So I'm making sure that I have like every piece of ammo ready to kill this thing. And the final <laughs> boss in Resident Evil 1 is ends up, well, at least for, for me, when, when Brian and I played it, it ends up being so easy, because we just had so many things at our disposal. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of had a similar thing with Resident Evil 4, with, um, I was at Sadler or whatever uh, the yep. yeah the final bosses, uh, spoiler I guess. I don't know. <laughs> if you're listening to this episode, you play this game, okay? Yeah, <laughs> probably. But um, that was one of the parts of the game that I didn't absolutely love. I don't know. What what about you guys? What did you think about the final boss fight? I would agree with that. Yeah, because I think this is a problem with every Resident Evil game, as you were saying. The the final boss fight, you're always just a, oh, too overpowered, you know. Yeah. I also feel like being overpowered was one part of it, and I also feel this way about a lot of Resident Evil games and survival horror in general is that sometimes they go on an hour or two too long, mm-hmm. and this is unfortunately one of those games. Even in Resident Evil Two, I was like, oh my god, uh, like. Like you feel like you fought the final boss, and then the story keeps going. They introduce a new, like a new character comes back, and now they're infected. And th- this game had that as well. Like you, you defeat uh, what's the guy? the Salazar, the the weird guy who's like looks like he's a child, but he actually isn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you kill him, and then you fight. You go on to like another island, and it keeps going for another little while. I think I have things in the correct order now. I get I get mixed <laughs> up sometimes. Um, but it gets to the point where like I I can't enjoy the game anymore because I'm just like. Sometimes it's like two in the morning and I just want to finish it. <laughs> so like I'm I'm already mad and I have to keep playing this game. And now there's like a boss fight that I have to figure out where to throw the grenades at or something. But 
Yeah, good good point. Our last question, Kira, here is is where would you like the Resident Evil series to go uh, after this? So Resident Evil Village, uh, I guess eight, which just came out, was a bit of a throwback and callback, I should say, to Resident Evil four. Where would you like this series to go, and where do you expect it to go? I guess. Honestly, I'm not a huge fan of the first-person perspective in games, mm-hmm. so I would kind of like it to stray away, stray away from that, but I don't think it will. I think it will stick with that, because that's that's clearly what's working. So, Especially with the... the um, uh, seems to go, be going in a bit of a VR um, aspect mm-hmm. as well with uh, yeah. Capcom. We have the new uh, VR version. Uh, our friend of the show, Retro Wolf, who's on Instagram as well, he... Uh, talked about how he's very excited for the VR version on Oculus Quest 2. Uh, and for him, it's a day one purchase. And for us, like we don't have uh, Oculus and I'm not a big VR person. I prefer to mooch off of other people's VR systems. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I don't want to spend that money. And, and it feels almost like a, a, a barrier because I, I, I like the idea of like the first person style, but I would only do it in VR. I don't really love having it as um, as a gameplay mechanic, like you said. I just like being able to see my main character. This is this yes. weird thing that I have. I like growing attached to them, you know. I like that too, especially in Resident Evil. I think because you are because it is a survival game. You want to like you want to feel for them. You want to feel for Chris. You're like, no, come on, Chris, you got to survive. You got to yeah. feel for Jill, Leon, all all the people. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love the characters in Resident Evil. So yeah, of course. I was, I was going to say the characters are half the game, and if you can if you can never see them, you're always just looking at your hand and your gun. You lose that connection for sure. I was just thinking though, a couple of years ago, we did get two spinoff games. We got Resident Evil Revelations one, and there was a sequel to that one, right? There was Resident Evil Revelations 2? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kira, do you remember? Was there a second one? Am I, am I misremembering that? There was a Revelations 2, yes. Okay, Thank cool. <laughs> I get Evil Within mixed up sometimes with our, with Resident Evil. Um, so I would love it if, if Capcom would just put a little bit of like like a side project uh, out there where like they put out their Resident Evil 7 and 8 and 9 and maybe those are first person uh, games that they can sell their VR uh, headsets and whatnot. But then maybe they put off put out these spin-off games uh, that are maybe slightly less, you know, graphically impressive so that they can run on Switch. And uh, <laughs> and they're in third person. Maybe they're fixed camera angles like the old games. Just try try different things. Make the games a little bit smaller. Uh, give us like a, a side story that is maybe completely unrelated to Resident Evil 7 or maybe it is connected in some way. I, I would love them to do something like that. That's where I'd like to see Resident Evil go back to because like we said, like Resident Evil 4 is the first game in the franchise. But I think at this point we had already had two or three spinoffs. So it was actually like the the seventh or eighth game in the series. So mm-hmm. like, and they've kind of gone away from that, unfortunately. So I'd love to see them go back to that. I need more Code Veronica. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I, that's what we're really asking for here. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love that as well. If we just went back to the old, yeah, I, I would love that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I just have one more question for Kira as well, and uh, it's got to do with Resident Evil 4, and it is, uh, if, if they do, or when they do, eventually put out Resident Evil 4 Remastered, or let's go with Remake, because that would be so much better, what would you like to see improved? Was there anything from Resident Evil 4 that you did not like? No, I, I can't think of anything that I would, that's like a significant issue, you know? I mean, I could come up with like nitpicks, but yeah, nothing like- of like importance, you know? Because at first I would have said the controls and that, but... Not anymore. I, I think they're really well suited to the game. I 100% agree. And it's funny because we've asked this question a couple times already today. And uh, our guests and, and Neil and I have, as well have struggled with really finding a, a real thing to improve. There's, there's like you said, nitpicks, small things that you could add, maybe fix some of the bosses. Uh, but there's, there's nothing that 
that would change this game because it's so polished already. Hmm. I don't think this game really needs a remake, to be honest. I, I think Code Veronica would be much better choice for a remake. But 100% agreed. Mike's in complete agreement with you there. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that game. I would like to see it too because I can't play it because of the uh, the tank controls and the fixed camera. But mm-hmm. I'll wait patiently for that to come. Yep. Yeah, hopefully one day. Hopefully one day. But in the meantime, thank you so much today for coming on talking about some Resident Evil with us, Kira. And um, yeah, uh, feel free to plug yourself. Uh, uh, this is your time. Um, it's just Instagram mainly that I'm active on. So if you want to follow me at Toonie Twirls, I post a lot about just GameCube stuff, but a bit of a focus on Zelda and Resident Evil because they are my favorites in case it wasn't obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed recently that you posted a picture of uh, Scooby-Doo. Uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, Night of a Hundred Frights. That's a terrific game. So uh, I'm excited big shout to play out to it. that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm looking for. There's one other one. Uh, I have that one. I have Unmasked. What's I'm I'm drawing a blank. There's a third one, and it's more expensive, and I need to play okay. that one badly. <laughs> so I will go out and look for that one before Halloween. Yep. Very good. Well, thank you again, Kira, for coming on today, and we hope to see you back real soon, probably for Four Swords Adventures, if you'd be down to come on for that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would love to talk about that game. Yeah, I'm very much in the minority when I say it's one of my favorite Zelda games, but... <laughs> yeah, hey, that's okay. We're excited to pick your brain on it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, until then, we look forward to having you back. Uh, so we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you so much for having me on. I had a really good time. Awesome. Us too. <laughs> Take care. All right, bye. What a nice young lady. What a nice young lady. Thank you so much, Kira, for coming on today. Had a wealth of knowledge for GameCube, Resident Evil, all those things. We just wanted to kind of talk to her about that world because there are so... It feels like there's so few people sometimes who who understand the magic of GameCube. So it's nice to meet someone else who who loves it as much as we do. Yeah, loves GameCube and loves Resident Evil and loves Toon Link. Like, it's the perfect match. That's perfect candidate for someone we're looking to come on this show. And uh, yeah, I love to talk about uh, our guests' memories of these games. Obviously, there's a ton of uh, content out there already. If you're looking for way more in-depth facts about the history of Resident Evil and Resident Evil 4, that content is out there. We really just want to make this about our our specific memories around the game and why we love it so much. So uh, I love the story Kira told about her dad uh, buying the game uh, Mm -hmm. and playing it without her, basically. I thought that was really funny because my parents would never do anything like that. So I, I love hearing stories like that. I don't think we've ever had someone on who had a parent who bought the game before them. So that's really cool. I like that diversity in that sense. Yeah, me too. I've heard a lot of stories about that from people who are older than us, who like their parents bought the NES uh, and it was meant to be like for the dad, but the kids ended up playing Mario. (laughs) After they go to bed, the dad plays, you know, Final Fantasy or Zelda or whatever it was. So I'm sure that that's the way that we'll be too someday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to let our kids play anything, Neil. (laughs) No, we're going to start them off small. Something we'll give them the GameCube. They can play... uh, they can play Nightfire when they're six years old. <laughs> it's a good game for a six-year-old. It's it's it teaches them good development skills, uh, problem solving, just like Resident Evil. Uh, problem solving. <laughs> Mike, we still have one more guest joining us today, so why don't we let them join the show and we can talk about some more Resident Evil Four memories? Well, for anyone who's demanding more Resident Evil Four memories, uh, we got them. I am. Uh, we have Tristan coming on the show today and we're really excited to have him all the way from australia and tristan our first question to you is what is your favorite capcom game of all time well first hello everyone thank you so much for having me um what was what's my favorite capcom game of all time i bounce around all the time because i love the studio i'd have to say at the moment it's monster hunter rise uh, it controls so well, uh, really great graphics. I was really impressed by the performance on Switch. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely my favorite one. Have you guys played that one? 
I haven't. We have uh, friends that, that are big Monster Hunter fans. Uh, we actually talked earlier on the episode how Monster Hunter 4 is considered to be one of the best of the franchise because we're trying to think of fourth installments in franchises that are actually good. <laughs> and that's, that was one of the mm-hmm. few that we could think of, uh, obviously, because of Resident Evil 4 today. And uh, our second question to you would be, when you were growing up, did you own a GameCube? Yeah, well, no. Um, uh, I'm fairly young uh, listener of the show, I suppose. I'm 20, so <laughs> I haven't had the biggest experience of GameCube. I actually have this really, really strong memory of... I was like a church or something, and there was a GameCube, and everyone was playing Mario Kart Double Dash. Nice. Hmm. Uh, cut back to 2019, like 14 years later, and I'm in Japan, and uh, I just absolutely fell in love with the GameCube, but sorry, a bit of a tangent there. What I was essentially saying was, no, I did not grow up with GameCube, but I grew up in love with 2000s games, and I've never really let go. I'm the same way right now. Like, we just just had, uh, Mike and I had a conversation, I think it was last week now, about playing modern games. And, like, I'm looking around, I'm like, I don't know, like, modern games, like, what was the last one I played? Like, it was Mario Golf or something like that. Uh, I just, I keep on, and I was being honest, like, I love 2000s games. Like, I love playing Resident Evil 4 and Nightfire and yeah I, I literally just can't get off them yeah <laughs> like, like it, it, um, it's great it's a part of me and my identity like mm-hmm. uh growing up then and I have so many personal connections with family members uh from a young age through that kind of mm-hmm. era so yeah it's really really close to me although the GameCube wasn't a personal thing I think you're the first guest who said that they found GameCube at a church, you said? So you saw God when you saw the GameCube. And, like, I, I thought you were going to say, like, yeah, there was this... There <laughs> I wouldn't was this... put it that way, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say, like, they had this GameCube set up in the back room of the church, and on it was Resident Evil 4. I was like, that's an <laughs> no, interesting... No, 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 it was this kid's program. And, like, literally the whole basement was full of kids just watching this one GameCube. Uh, <laughs> funny. It was like a pre... Sort of like a pre-show. It was weird. And we love having people on who you know, have like, didn't grow up with the GameCube fully and uh, have got, or had got it much later because I think it, it speaks volumes to this console and its cult status. And the fact that for gaming, it really doesn't matter how old you are when you grew up, you know, because I, I, Neil and I love SNES games, but we didn't grow mm-hmm. up with the SNES. The SNES was, they came out before we were born. Uh, yeah. So you're going to find that console. You're going to find those games that you really uh, love. And yeah, that's the GameCube for you, which is awesome to see in the, the early 2000s, which is what the this podcast is all about so let's get into an early 2000s game resident evil 4 what are your first memories of playing this game this is a bit of a hot take and i'm actually quite ashamed of myself so i'd heard about it for like millions and millions of times mm-hmm. coming to 2019 when they release on the switch mm. and i just did not connect with it i played resident evil 1 hd to death um loved that game mm-hmm. uh, loved everything about it dripping in atmosphere its presentation was perfect but mm-hmm. there was something about resident evil 4 on switch that just i did not connect with atmosphere and presentation is what makes that game key and i feel like the hd port just does not cut it mm. um and that's probably one of the main reasons why i just did not connect with the game originally so I didn't like it. I didn't finish it for quite some time until I bought it on my GameCube. I was like, okay, I love Resident Evil. I'm going to buy all six of them. And I eventually got to that. I'm very proud of myself nice. for all the money I spent. Yeah. Wow, wow. so great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's an investment. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Code Veronica was a, a bit of a stretch, but, <laughs> but we got there. Anyway, so yeah, I, I finished it and I don't know what happened, but it was just this light bulb moment for me. And I just connected with the game instantly it was such 
an incredible experience, uh, you know, from A to B, uh, just every single narrative beat, every single character and boss again introduced. I just loved the game so much. So you went from, you went from the Switch Resident Evil 4 not liking it and then you picked up the GameCube version and you did? Yeah, and I, I might come from my GameCube bias because okay. like, I genuinely love I think you're, you're, like, you're onto something there though because we talked about earlier how a lot of people still think that the GameCube is the best way to play this game. That I love that, that you basically just validated the claims I've been saying for the last hour and a half <laughs> because uh, the, oh, the fact that well, that's good to hear. <laughs> the fact that you said that you know you didn't love it on Switch. I personally haven't played the Switch one but I, I also feel like I have no reason to because I played it on the GameCube. I, I, I played it on the console that was meant to be played on and when it's when it doesn't get a proper remake you know, it's one thing for Resident Evil 2, which gets remade completely and then comes on a new console. That's a whole other thing. But when it's just a, a simple port, a small remaster, I guess, going on the Switch, it's it's so much better still to play on its original intended uh, console. And the fact that this is one of the first widescreen games. You know, we didn't even talk really about that, Neil, yet. And it's actually way too sharp on Switch. Like, it just does not look anywhere near as good. And I have many friends who agree with this. The, it's just the atmospheric presentation with like the fog mm-hmm. and and everything's dripping in gore and rust and it's just <laughs> gray mm-hmm. blackness. I don't know how to explain it, but now, when when you play the GameCube version, do you have a, a CRT TV to play it on? Because I love playing my GameCube on an old an old TV. I have been tracking one down for the <laughs> longest time. Okay, and I think since 2019, like. CRTs just got really popular in Australia. Everywhere, everywhere, yeah. Oh, I'm sure everywhere, yeah, yeah. It's mostly because of Melee. Melee is to blame. I was, I was going to say, we have our friend here, uh, a friend of ours in Toronto. He, in the college days, he used to drive around, he had a van, and he kept a CRT TV in his van in case he needed to play Smash. <laughs> oh my goodness. He was that the dedication. original Switch. This was the original Switch. <laughs> that makes me feel better because I'm the person who brings my Switch and literally every peripheral with me everywhere. So oh yeah. There we go. At least I'm not the only one. You guys are so spoiled. I was the Wii U owner, so I had to bring to parties in a gym bag my Wii U gamepad, four GameCube controllers, the adapter, the GameCube adapter, the game. God knows if I needed Amiibos. Like, I had to have a gym bag full of these things. It was, and the HDMI cable, because, like, and the power cables, because no one's going to have that stuff, like, lying around. So, you guys have it way too easy nowadays with Switches, and even Dan with the CRT TV in his van. I'm jealous of that. But, yeah. I I did want to talk a bit about, uh, since we do have a caller here from Australia, I did want to talk about just the different versions neil of of mm-hmm. resident evil because there are a lot of different versions and cases the cover art is mm-hmm. actually my favorite cover art of all time cool. the design is just so harrowing mm-hmm. you guys have probably seen it but for those who haven't just like the the image the silhouetted image of the um dr salvador is just like oh it's incredible uh, uh i've actually got the collector's edition with me which i don't think re- released in america like this it has the um bonus disc with it okay. it's another case yeah okay so it's a bit of a slip case it's pretty cool yeah so that actually yeah. only got released in australia it's an australia exclusive release so it's not <gasps> even in the uk <sighs> or any other pal regions it's just australia exclusive collector's edition uh with the bonus disc with wow. interviews and creators <laughs> footage so yeah very cool the more you know. I got that for 30 bucks. Jeez. So whoever did that, they sold it very well to me. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> very cheap. Um, that's incredible. That was, that's awesome. 
Uh, Resident Evil also, uh, Resident Evil 4 is one of the few uh, additions of the GameCube. I think there's only that and Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, which have Steelbook editions out there. Very hard to find, but they do exist. Uh, there's also uh, a couple other, Neil, I think you have a couple other collector's editions that you wrote down. Yeah, the original version of the GameCube featured two different collector's editions. Uh, the first was available as a pre-order that included the game, uh, an art book, and a t-shirt. No fridge magnet or coins, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> those are the best. Uh, GameStop offered another limited ed- limited edition that was packaged in a tin box with the art book, uh, a cell of Leon, and a soundtrack CD, which is interesting. We need to talk about the soundtrack, too. And then, like Tristan said, Australia, you, you lucky guys, you got uh, the exclusive collector's edition that came with the game, uh, the bonus disc with interviews and creator's footage, which is actually probably the exclusive uh, collector's edition here that I would want. Mm-hmm. of the bunch definitely it is awesome the slipcase is so nice yeah there's so much man and we had we had resident evil collector on earlier in the episode a great instagram page and i think he has a few of these things already he even has the chainsaw controller uh which he said is uh, yes it, i have that you have it do you like to play the game with the controller or no so uh, an epic chad moment for me was that i was going to pitch to you guys that i finished it in pro mode with the controller <laughs> unfortunately i haven't done that yet but i will get you back to you on that because i am going through the entire game in pro with the chainsaw so yeah wow we'll see how we go <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of like the that reminds me of like the channel back when dark souls was really popular someone playing dark souls with the, the guitar, guitar hero controller yeah. <laughs> Then also, of course, you you brought up the soundtrack, Neil. Uh, this mm-hmm. game, of course, has an amazing soundtrack, very atmospheric, like Tristan was saying. It brings you into the game a lot, the mood uh, shifts and everything that goes on with it. All Resident Evil games do a great job of, of utilizing music where it's necessary. There was a, a, a soundtrack released in Japan uh, at some point, Neil? Yeah, that's right. There was Biohazard 4, uh, an original soundtrack released in Japan on December 22nd, 2005, uh, it contains 62 compositions from the game and the 48-page visual booklet uh, with liner notes from the composers. So there's other uh, merchandise, which included uh, Todd McFarlane toys oh, yeah. um, and, and other things like that. Todd McFarlane, of course, responsible for characters such as Venom, which love that movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a, there's a pretty cool soundtrack out there. I did not realize that there are 62 different compositions in the game. That It sounds like a lot, but I guess it makes sense because there are a lot of different scenarios in the game. A lot of different mood different... shifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so many different areas in that game it's that's probably what uh what makes it feel so fresh is the soundtrack actually 100 percent. because if you think of other resident evil games it's usually you're you're often in the same area you know you're in a mansion or you're in a small town or you're somewhere where the the music shifts don't really need to happen that much but uh in in resident evil 4 like we've already said the locales are so varied so diverse there's a lot of different areas for you to explore so the music has to change especially for boss fights too the music for especially the um the delago uh boss fight the music for that is is really really good yeah oh my goodness and the save room that's the one i wanted to touch on the most okay yeah yeah you go through like this huge like kind of harrowing journey the sound design all throughout and then there's like this save room and that even that's not a respite because this is very like distorted piece i don't know what you guys feel about resident evil save rooms but for me this one's definitely my like probably second favorite one next to resident evil remake i was gonna say the, the first resident evil one like the 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 yeah the remake is is probably my favorite uh in that save room i always felt uneasy and i kind of feel the same way with resident evil 4 but uh, especially with the fact that like if you have like a lot of blood loss or your your health is really low the the music is different for uh re1 
is it this is it in Resident Evil 4 is that the same does the music change depending on what your health is I don't even remember I don't think I noticed a huge Ooh, difference I don't think so. yeah I didn't notice a huge difference on my health I I always I always wanted to know if these save rooms were influenced by Zelda because whenever I go in there it's it's kind of like heart music and it always reminded me of the Zelda save yeah I think of a link to the past save music at least yeah, like that yeah. that type of tone so it definitely yeah. reminded me of that uh so so Tristan you you mentioned that you've played a lot of Resident Evil games you've picked up at least six of them um of the resident evil games that you've played where would you rank resident evil 4 i'd say it's sort of one-on-one with seven for me i i know seven's not a perfect game but from again like a level of like atmosphere music and presentation i feel like they just there's both there's something about both of them where it's like this feels like the revitalization of a franchise that has stagnated Mm-hmm. and both of them are sort of pivotal in do, like making a change yep. whether for better or worse obviously for resident evil 4 5 and 6 eh. but <laughs> um you know yeah uh, they're games so yeah definitely like top like oh, i can't i can't rank either but if i did i'd put 7 up so maybe resident evil 2 uh, resident evil 4 uh, as second okay. yeah <laughs> yeah no you're you're totally right on that both games revitalized the series where they were starting to get stale or not stale, just I think even the developers figured that they needed to do something different with Resident mm. Evil 4, and that's why the development time for the game was uh, six to seven years, which is an exceptionally long time, especially for the mid-2000s. And then we had five and six, which are more action-heavy Resident Evil games. They definitely skewed away from the survival horror. Yeah, and then with Resident Evil 7, they brought it back to the survival horror roots, which and they also changed the perspective again, which seems to also be something that Capcom likes to do. So maybe one day Capcom will invent the uh, the fourth-person shooter. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally on board for whatever that um, looks like. I can't even imagine it myself. It's you watching someone um... else play it while you're trying to shoot them. <laughs> that sounds like second person. Yeah, yeah, I guess that would be. Damn it. What's fourth? Describing oh. to you what someone else is doing? Is that fourth person? Oh no, I'm having an existential crisis. Come on, <laughs> you're a film student. You should know these things. <laughs> yes, that's every single day in film school. <laughs> is there anything else for Resident Evil Fortress and that you want to bring up before we let you go for the day? I just want to touch on like the film angle for sure. me personally. Mm-hmm. What it's done to my experience being a filmmaker. I really like that um, the narrative sort of embodies this like B-movie aesthetic from the 90s. Um, It's really action, kind of schlocky, very silly. And that's what I love so much about the game, that it balances between this extremely silly and extremely dark themes and just teetering on both of them. It's such an enjoyable narrative for Mm me personally. And that's why I connect with the game so well. I love that, and and the series in general, um, how serious it can be and at the same time, very silly, very funny. That's what I look for in games. I don't like games that are constantly happy or shying away from things that are dark. Mm-hmm. So I really like that this game sort of balances both and goes like you you still feel powerful even when you're powerless sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's it's pretty that's a pretty deep message from me. But <laughs> that's sort of what I feel about Resident Evil. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. perfect. That's what we're looking for here. We love that, and we love that mm. it's it's grown in your memories. Really, it's it's become a. Uh, it started off as a game that you obviously just did not like on the Switch and, and went to a game that you consider a classic. And we, uh, we'd we love to see that. I think that's what games are all about is is finding, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, finding that balance, and which is really mm-hmm. key. And I think balance and polished, those are the, the words I would use to describe uh, Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at the game from a film perspective, just while we have you, uh, we've seen a, a couple of Resident Evil 
I'd like to call them films, if I may. Uh, <laughs> they're you know varying degrees, varying degrees of success. I'm kidding. I don't like the Resident Evil films all that much. Uh, but we're getting we're getting a new Resident Evil movie coming out, I believe, sometime soon. Actually, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a little bit more true true to the franchise. I'm actually looking forward to that one. Do you think Resident Evil Four could be turned into a cinematic experience? Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting one. Look, uh, the campaign's actually quite long, so it'd be interesting seeing them like. I guess, transpose it into a film. I, I'm not saying that they couldn't, but they'd have to make a lot of concessions with the narrative. Mm-hmm. They don't even have to think too hard. Like, it's already done for them. Yeah. Yeah, and even the camera angles and... Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably the dialogue would need some retouching. <laughs> um, it's pretty bad, but that's kind of what makes it so good. Yeah. Yeah, I find it so endearing. So, yeah, that's the thing with video game movies. They just... Mm. They either touch too much into the fan base or into people who have no idea what it is. And they've never found that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Sonic and uh, Pokemon, but yeah. yeah. Let's see what let's see what Resident Evil does at the end of this year and maybe we'll get a Resident Evil 4 movie. Maybe. I, I like what you said about how video games being turned into movies doesn't always pan out very well because, like we said at the front there, that this game is is played like a movie it's 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 shot in widescreen which was ahead of its time for 2005 it has an orchestra an orchestrated soundtrack like a movie it has Mm. actors who come and go it has twists that tie into the the prequels to this game so it kind of already is a film in in itself and it's an interactive experience which is why gamers play games it's not so we can go and sit and watch a two-hour movie it's so we can be a part of this character's life for the for this this hellish night that they're in for the next fourteen hours or whatever it is, and then and then talk about it on a podcast uh, twenty years after it comes out. So um, I like what you said there, and um, like yeah, I hope that Resident Evil does does kind of go back to its Resident Evil Four roots someday. Um, but until then, uh, we still have Resident Evil Four to play on GameCube, and we'll wait patiently for a remake. I guess until then. Thank you again, Tristan, for coming on today and talking about Resident Evil, talking about GameCube, talking about the early 2000s. We we love having people on, obviously, to, to talk about those things because we're passionate about them too. So um, we'll give you this chance to kind of plug yourself. Uh, I know you're on Instagram. I think you have a YouTube channel. Go ahead. I do a bunch of videos and use Instagram as a platform, mainly as a personal thing, but I'd love to share it and get it out in the world. Uh, my name's Tristan Pantarotto, and that is literally what I use for my channel and my Instagram. So if you ever want to see any more, definitely look into those things. I love making music videos, things that bring joy. That's something that I love to plug in all the videos that I make. So yeah. That's awesome. Sweet. That, that, that's really cool. I, I We love to talk to creatives uh, from all sorts. We've talked to people who who are musicians, who are, you know, game uh, journalists, who are now uh, filmmakers. So we, we really do look forward to, uh, to to seeing what you do. You're a young filmmaker. You got a lot of good influences with Resident Evil 4. So uh, good luck. GameCube and, influences. Uh, <laughs> GameCube influences. Yeah, well, I've had some great experiences. So uh, yeah, definitely look forward to seeing some of that. I'll definitely plug what I've worked on recently. Um, definitely. But I can't say too much yet. Awesome. Ooh, exciting. exciting, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let us know what you're working on and we, we look forward to seeing it. Um, and uh, let us know if you want to come back on. We'd love to talk to you again about uh, some other... Oh, 100%. I love listening to your podcast. I have a ritual every Tuesday night. I listen to you guys at my work um, and it's just like a conversation. It's cool. an incredibly lonely job I do on Tuesday nights. Uh-huh. So I love being able to um, listen to you guys and yeah, sweet. just feels like some bros doing bro talk. You know? um, <laughs> oh man, that's, that means a lot. That means a lot. We, we really appreciate that. Thank you. Sweet. You guys are amazing. No, th- oh, thank you. That that means a ton to us. So thank you so much again for coming on and uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. No worries. We'll keep in touch. Thank you very much, guys. See ya. What a nice young man. 
What a nice young man. Thank you, Tristan, so much for coming on and expressing yourself. And uh, as, as you said, uh, and it was awesome to, to have him on to hear his stories uh, and to hear how, again, another person, Neil, who started off not loving Resident Evil 4, but realizing that this is one of the best games ever made. I know. Yeah. Someone finding GameCube in the strangest of places. Uh, it's interesting to me that he found GameCube in a kind of like a a youth group, uh, sort of like a church daycare kind of room, Mm -hmm. which is how I actually discovered the SNES. I know that we owned one, but I also went to a daycare in a mall when I was a kid, and it it just brought me back. That that thought, I haven't thought about this in years. But my mom used to drop me and my sister off at uh, at a daycare in a mall, and they had a Super Nintendo set up, and that's where I played a lot of Super Mario World. And it's funny because I think Tristan is about the same age gap as us, about eight years, and that's about the age gap from us from... When we got into GameCube, the the Super Nintendo, so uh, about eight years earlier, eight or nine years, so it's it's kind of funny how like to think that there's probably daycares out there that have Wii's and Wii U's and potentially Switches, <laughs> and that'll be those kids' first experience playing those games. And yeah, eventually he discovered Resident Evil Four uh, on one of the billion consoles that it, that it came out on, uh, which is the Switch. And I, I love that he didn't like it at first, but tried it on a different console, and that made all the difference in the world. It actually makes me, Mike, want to go back now and uh, potentially play this game on the Zebo and see what it's like playing it there. Ooh, now that's the the ideal way to play this game. <laughs> and Neil, with the with the daycare, that's just also remind me of a friend of the show, Andy, who's been on for the Spyro, the Crash episode. He talks about how he uh, would go to a childminder, mm-hmm. uh, as what they call them in, in Britain, and uh, that's how he discovered these games. So again, this is this is the an incubator mm-hmm. for uh, for future gamers. Clearly, yeah, clearly, and we have our memories of playing games on McDonald's. Uh, in McDonald's uh, play places. So you never know where you're going to find uh, one of your favorite consoles of all time or or games of all time. So uh, that's why it's important to go out and try new things and try new games. So Mike, let's talk about Resident Evil 4. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts? <laughs> let's, let's talk about Resident Evil. It's just, it's just a funny way to start the sentence after uh, like almost two hours of Resident Evil 4. Let's talk about Resident Evil 4. So Mike, let's start the conversation about Resident Evil 4 now. Uh, let's start it here. We've had a lot of conversations. We have had a bunch of guests from, uh, from England, from Australia, from Canada, and we've gotten to hear a lot of their memories and we've talked a little bit about our own. But are there any points that we missed along the way that, you, that you'd like to mention? I just like to mention a couple of things uh, and read a couple of reviews uh, that I, I found that I found very interesting. Uh, one of my favorites here is uh, from Nintendo Life, I believe, uh, and this says the game was designed with Nintendo's hardware in mind, and despite going to uh, going on to appear on practically every other home console produced since the GameCube, the original system is still one of the best places to play it. Thank you. With the GameCube <laughs> controller mirroring the design perfectly, uh, the series has had its ups and downs like any other, but it's hard to argue that RE4 isn't the best it's ever been, which I love that review. I think that speaks volumes to everything that we have said for the, the past ep- for this episode already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... There's a little bit here by VentureBeat, uh, the publication. They credit Resident Evil 4 with popularizing remastered editions in the video game industry, uh, inspiring remastered editions of games like Grand Theft Auto V, Tomb Raider, Grim Fandango, etc. I thought that was very interesting. And, and yeah, I think Resident Evil, just the series itself, is probably one of the first people to do real remasters. Yeah, and it's on more platforms than any other game, I believe. Like a lot of, it's almost a meme at this point, but Skyrim being on everything is is the game that a lot of people point to, to being re-released with very little differences. Resident Mm -hmm. Evil 4 is on more platforms, I think, than Skyrim is. So 
Uh, yeah, it definitely wow. popular, popularized it, and I, I don't love it. Um, I, I think that it gets to a certain the point The one thing where, they did wrong. <laughs> yeah, like they kind of went too far. Like I think I think porting yeah. it maybe from GameCube to Wii made, made sense just because there were so few of us on GameCube playing this game that it, it made a lot of sense to put it on Wii, give it a slightly different uh, control scheme with the, um, with the pointer controls. Uh, but once you start getting into like the PS3 and Xbox 360, okay, it's it's now in HD. That's cool, I guess. But then going another step above and beyond and putting it on the Zebo, uh, just kidding, on on the PS4 and the Xbox One, yeah, uh, I, I think that that's where it's starting to like be okay. Like, it's an interesting conversation to have, right? Because it's it's you know, uh, on one side, do you want this game to be available to anyone at any time? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do you want this game to be true to its platform that it was designed for? And that's a legitimate argument to have. There's no right answer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's it's an interesting one to talk about for something like Resident Evil 4, but that's a that's a conversation for another day for sure, Neil. Yeah, it's an ongoing conversation with, with video games. And yeah, there is the the side of it should be available to everybody all the time and then there's the side of it should be it should stay on the hardware it was meant to be played on which it sounds like the consensus is GameCube is is definitely the uh, the platform to play it yeah, on. We'll say it one more time. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to say it one more time. I think you've convinced me. Uh, I started off the day by thinking that the Wii is the right version or not the right version but the preferred, but I've never played the game on Wii before so I'll have to wait until I pick the game up there and play it to actually have a real decision. But Mike, uh, before we close out the episode, uh, I want to read the back of the case and after that I know that you have a uh, thousand and one video games to play before you die there and i'd love to hear the entry uh, for resident evil 4 so why don't we do that let's do it all right cool but first victor hit us with that sweet jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case there's things written on the back of the case let's read them and now we're reading the back of the case Oh, right away, it says for Resident Evil. <laughs> That's true. I've never actually thought of that before. Yeah. That the four is before the Resident Evil. Yeah. Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil reinvents itself as the series moves in a terrifying new direction. U.S. agent Leon Kennedy has been tasked to look into the abduction of the president's daughter, and his investigation has led him to a mysterious location in Europe. As Leon encounters unimaginable boards, he must find out what is behind the terror. Fast pace, edge of your seat action, aim and shoot, zero in on enemies with laser precision. Cunning enemies use their abilities to attack the player en masse. It's really interesting that they say that they actually say Resident Evil reinvents itself as the series moves in a terrifying new direction because. You know, most of the time when you, uh, you have something come out that's different or whatever, they're like, the new, the best way to play this. You know, this mm. is like the, the best Resident Evil ever. But they have a, a very objective way to say it. It's like, no, this is, we have reinvented ourselves. Love mm-hmm. it or hate it. And yeah. uh, I kind of like that. Yeah. And it it took the series, like we've said a bunch today already, it took the series in a completely new direction. So uh, it was at the end of the, the survival horror era and was leading the game into the uh, the seventh generation of consoles, really, where it turned into more of an action heavy game. This game does kind of skate the line between the two so perfectly that yeah. it's, it's hard to imagine us going back to something that will hit quite as hard as Resident Evil at the right time. Uh, it really was a place in time game. So, Mike, with that note, let's uh, let's hear what a thousand and one video games uh, said about uh, said about this game. Yeah, of course, Neil. They uh, they said the codified world of the action game was rocked to its foundations by Resident Evil Four. 
Its early versions were so radical that while one stayed true to the fixed cameras of early Resident Evils, another went on to become Devil May Cry. Eventually, Out of the Cauldron would become a game of such marvelous cunning that it swept away any sense of franchise ennui, restoring the series' status as the master of the survival game. RE4 can be seen as the true turning point in widescreen gaming. Its emphasis on crowd control and unpredictable AI takes the survival horror genre into uncharted territory. Nowhere is safe from Los Ganados, and nothing grips the heart like the nearby sound of a chainsaw. RE4 sees Capcom at the height of its powers. Yeah, su- sums it up perfectly. There's there's very few negative things I can even think about saying about this game. I Other than maybe the length of it, I can't think of too many things that this game does wrong. That's right. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it's polished, beautiful, everything. I think we can close the book on Resident Evil 4. I think we can. But Mike, first, do you, can you recommend that folks out there pick this game up? If you haven't been convinced already, especially with the price point being $40 only, mm-hmm. at least in Canada, that's, that's a steal for one of the best games ever made. If you've never played this game before, or if you've never played this game on GameCube, more importantly, which I bet a lot of people haven't, you should 100% try and pick this game up and play it on the GameCube because it is a bit of a different experience and I think the best one. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100% agree with you there. So I'm not even going to, I'm not going to beat that dead <laughs> nothing horse. Nothing to say. <laughs> nothing to say here. I'm not going to beat that dead horse anymore. So Mike, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on the GameCube Was Cool podcast? Next week on the GameCube Was Cool podcast is the Halloween podcast. Oh. Not featuring Resident Evil anymore because we're done Resident Evil. So we got to find some more spooky stuff to talk about. Uh, and there are surprisingly actual Halloween games for the GameCube. Um, okay. One is actually called Castleween, released as Spirits and Spells in uh, PAL region. So that one is an actual Halloween specific game game so i'm excited to talk about that uh monster house or uh not monster uh yeah it is monster yeah you got that right (laughs) uh uh, haunted mansion buffy the vampire slayer we're gonna be talking about all these halloween themed games and we're gonna have a lot of fun with it with a couple of guests yep i'm very excited for it i love halloween i'm sad that we are finished resident evil and i'm of course sad that we finished scooby-doo last year we blew our load way too early on that one <laughs> so uh we had to scrape the bottom of the barrel and, and talk about monster house but uh I'm, I'm excited to talk about it nonetheless gonna have a couple of halloween memories gonna talk about some uh, halloween movie recommendations so definitely tune back in it's gonna be a ton of fun uh but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 69 of the gamecube is cool podcast new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better if you want to support the show you can find us on patreon we are the gamecube is cool you can also support the show for free on instagram follow us at the gamecube pod we're also on twitter and facebook share us with your friends and family tell leon kennedy mike says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later bye sandy cheeks resident evil that's a scary voice oh yeah great voice though wonder what that guy's up to these days